David, how the hell are you? I am doing a-okay. I uh, had a long work weekend because I had to work the holiday weekend, but it's done and over with and I'm good to go. So can't complain too much. I have vacation the rest of the week. So Oh, that's nice. For the whole week? Yep. So I don't have to go back to work until next Monday. So, which is nice. Where do you work at? Uh, a place called Corning Life Sciences here in Maine. And uh, we're a big company. Basically, I build, uh, anytime you see a forensic show and they got the little dropper that they're putting into the Petri dish, I, may, I build the dropper. <laughs> That's what I do. I, I build those. All right, right on, right on. So you're from Maine. Have you have you grown up there? Did you were you born there? Nope. Uh, I was born in Ohio. Then no was, shit. Yep. I live in Ohio. Yeah. I'm sorry. What what city? Uh, I was born in Alliance, Ohio. Okay. Haven't I haven't lived in Ohio since I was four. <laughs> Most of my life was spent in Tennessee. What was Tennessee like? Uh <laughs> well, when you're a shy, weird kid that doesn't like sports and hunting, which are the big thing for boys back then, mm-hmm. growing up, uh, you become picked, you get picked on a lot. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. uh, you look like somebody I wouldn't want to fuck with. That's, I get that a lot, but I am not that way i am totally i am an introvert through and through (laughs) shy quiet kid i would rather be home or if i'm out i'd rather be with a small group of friends or by myself i'm good which yeah everyone finds surprising being that i'm the front man of a band and it's like exactly yeah i i know it's a it's a quite fun when you have things slight social anxiety issues with your general anxiety and you have to be you have to talk to people at shows <laughs> you do yes and not only especially you, when you're especially when you're always the one selling the merch mm, you need to get yourself a merch girl <laughs> well everyone else in the band get <laughs> on others i'm the single one but mm. i'm also the one that usually sticks around till the end of the show because usually where we play I'm the one that lives closest so okay fair enough so when did you start doing vocals uh let's see well vocals like actually performing live probably about oh geez 2001 for that I was a trumpet player I played trumpet from, yep, I was a trumpet player, played uh, from fifth grade through my freshman year of college. And the nice thing about being a trumpet player comes in very handy, actually, being a vocalist. Oh, because of the breath control. All those wonderful breathing exercise, learn to breathe from the diaphragm and hold notes from the diaphragm. Oh, it's yeah, everyone's always like, your screams, you hold them so long when you play live. How do you do that? I was a trumpet player <laughs> and that was I, every time I see vocalists hunch over and ball up and do it, I'm like, you're not going to get a lot of strength in that. I always lean back and cause that's what we had to do in trumpet. You just would lean back and open the throat, perfect airways. It was awesome. So 
I took a lot from my trumpet playing days and use it in my uh, vocals nowadays. So that's what the secret is. I just have to, I was supposed to join band in high school and then I would have figured it out by now. Dude, I was, that's funny that you say that because I was actually, um, God, today I had the day off. So I was just fucking in a mood and getting wailing. You know what I mean? I was just singing yeah. and I was actually able to keep it up like all day without blowing out my throat, which is really hard for me to do. So I'm trying to like teach myself how to do metal vocals again because I had tried yeah. doing them back in the day, but I, but I fucked up my throat. So I had to stop for a while. Now I'm like, man, I really want to try to do that. So is there like a specific breath technique that you would recommend for say black metal vocals, the high pitched kind of like scream, you know? Because oh. that's what I have trouble with. That shit always hurts my throat. And it's like, how do you do that? I can do more death metal stuff without mm. using my throat. But when you try to do like black metal screams, like how do you do that without? Oh, when I get shit? I do get some high shrieks, but strangely mine are more from my uh, love of sludge metal. like. Mm -hmm. guys like uh mike nine from i hate god with his his little weird gnarled shriek or today is the day steve austin's shriek that he does uh as far as that i i have a hard time people ask me all the time to ex the breathing stuff and i'm just like i don't know i just kind of remember the little breathing exercises we just have to do and i would just i just do a couple of those and do it couple of little shorts and ha and whatever and then i just go i've been doing this about 20 years off and on so it's just and as i said a lot of it comes from my diaphragm and just holding it mm -hmm. a lot of people they try to do it from their throat and that's why they blow it out or yeah they, yeah you can't sustain and and i have a hard time explaining i've had i've had so many people ask me that and when it comes to my high screen, I actually can hold my high mid and high screams longer than I can my gutturals. Oh, really? gutturals. Gutturals are really hard to hold for me. I don't know why. I've just always had a hard time to hold them for long, but I can shriek for good 30 seconds. Like on our album, I don't know how much you've listened to it. I listened but, uh, to a few songs, a few songs today. I actually really enjoyed it. None of those, none of those vocals are edited. There's no like, oh, we're gonna try like to at all. Down. No, and I did all those. I did all those in one day. Dude, that's fucking awesome. One day, you, you guys kind of have like a like a deicide vibe. Like you kind of reminded me of Glenn. Cool, appreciate it. I've had yeah. it was, that's a new one. Uh, when we record, we actually recorded uh, all the guitars and vocals with Steve Austin of today's the day. He lives up here. Oh, okay. Even though he's originally from Tennessee too, and we have mutual friends, it's weird. So it was fun to hang, record with him. But yeah, we're doing vocals, and he was like, "You got like a cool vibe. It's like Barney from Napalm mixed with Mike from My Hey God." And those are two of my favorite vocalists. So I was just like, "Yes, Dude, that's cool. I like I like Glenn's vocals too. He has a cool style too. So I appreciate that. And yeah, we're a bunch of old older heads." I'm the youngest one in the band at 38. All the rest of my bandmates are mid 40s. Mm -hmm. I think so. uh, most people with exceptional taste and appreciation for like real metal, if I can use the term, are around that age. I, I'd say I identify more with the taste of older people. When, I mean, you're not that much older than me. I'm 32, so. Mm. But, I have my older brother's 41. My The second youngest in my band is my guitarist, Russ. He's 43. When I auditioned five years ago, he was kind of like, he looks young, huh? And 
So I hadn't heard any music and they just jammed it out. And I was like, dig it. That's like a suffocation meets obituary vibe. And he just went, and I just saw him kind of perk up more. And he's like, oh, okay. He knows what we're going for. Cause up here there's a lot, there's more, there's still a lot of metalcore, which obviously it's New England. It's still quite popular. I like older metalcore. I'm very picky about it. Like I still like like Unearth and Kill Switch. I listen to everything. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's some that there's some good bands up here, and then there's others that are just kind of like questionable. Uh, th- their enthusiasm's there. Sometimes they jump the gun on playing out live. They need to woodshed and rehearse more. Like mm. we've we've only had one member change with our drummer. And before he even did a live show with us, we rehearsed. I want us once he joined, we rehearsed for with him to make sure everything was tight, like a good Jesus, like four or five months before we started playing out again. Cause we just wanted to be tight and make the songs organic. We're we're a little bit old school that way. It's like we jam a bit. Granted, this year it's been next to impossible, but uh when was your last no, show? Uh early February. It was like the first weekend of February is the last show we've had. And we've had about four, maybe five full band rehearsals since. We were supposed to have one a couple weeks ago, but my bassist uh, had to go to the hospital. His heart was bothering him. And then last week before Thanksgiving, we're going to make a makeup one. But then my guitar stepson was possibly exposed to COVID. So he had to quarantine for about basically we're going to try again this Thursday which is our usual practice day is Thursday (laughs) but uh no we're we rehearse we used uh before all this went down we we rehearse like two days a week pretty much regularly and three hours (laughs) each night so we're we uh we rehearse quite a bit and around here there's there's some good bands that we like to play with and then there's some that we're friends with the guys, but not the biggest fan of their music. But, mm-hmm. you know, they're our friends, but we, so we still support them. So, yeah, there's there's actually a re- becoming a really big black metal scene up here, too. Really? Yeah. Well, it kind of makes sense. It's New England. It gets winter. Yeah, around here. I guess so. Winter, winter around here sucks. It's about <laughs> as grim as you're going to get in, in uh, the U.S. Oh, yeah. Even though the last couple winters haven't been that bad. It's, mm-hmm been rather mild by my standard even though i crack up i hear so many as i said i grew up down south so. mm-hmm. and when i hear them all complaining about the weather i'm like i can handle this weather way better than you guys what's with that i think That's it's the funny. i think it's the midwestern blood makes it so i can handle it because you know we have mountains and woods out here midwest it's flat there's nothing <laughs> Yeah, there's there's not shit out here. I really I miss the fucking mountains, dude. I used to go I, like camping all the time, and oh now there's like nothing out here. I haven't been to a Midwest winter since I was probably about six. My family's originally from, my parents are both originally from Iowa, so I've I've spent I've been there during Christmas time when we were younger for family and stuff, and I remember it was flat cold as shit because the wind is howling because there's nothing blocking it like the mountains and trees here Mm -hmm. i'm closer to the coast here so the coast wind it's can be a little you go outside and you're not prepared and you're automatically going fuck that's cold (laughs) 
You're getting those fucking wind chills in your face. Oh. Yeah, that's why I'm like, I don't. A lot of people do. Guys do the 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 fall winter beards around here, and I'm mm. like oh, all year round, and that's been fun with the face mask at work. Oh God, that sucks. I, I know a couple of people that have like considered trimming their beards for that reason. I did have I did trim mine up in end of March, but I was doing my usual once a month trim anyway, and I fucked up, so I had to just shorten it all the way down. But yeah, I haven't touched it since. But I'm like, everyone keeps me. Why don't you cut? I'm like, no, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'll suffer. I'll suffer through it, like I've done a lot of other things. <laughs> I think it's the equivalent of like a long-haired dude cutting his hair short because you know every, all of you consider it at some point and then it's just full of regret fucking afterwards. <laughs> oh yeah, all the time. Yeah, so Even, I don't uh, I don't know who needs to hear this, but don't fucking cut your hair. Anytime <laughs> any of my friends with long hair, guys, friends consider cutting their hair, I say don't fucking do it. I did that and I never got to grow it back again. <laughs> well, I started to, but unfortunately, instead of getting the bald spot in the back, mine went in the front. So I had no choice but to go bald. So yeah, but was, you can pull off the bald head though. Yeah, I feel I feel like that's the second metal look is the the Carrie King look, which you totally are vibing on. Basically, yeah, and I, <laughs> I've gotten that. And when I used to just do a goatee when I was younger, I got Scotty in a lot too. So, okay, I can I can kind of see I can see some Scotty in. I think I'm more like Scott Ian and personality wise than Carrie because I'm a big comic book fan. So, are you? You're a very eclectic individual. Like you have a lot of cool different interests. I know you're really into reading. And what are yes. some other hobbies that you like to enjoy? I am very. I my family. I came from a very scholarly family. My mom's a retired uh, high school teacher, uh, primarily Spanish. Uh, she was also an English teacher and English as a second language teacher. And my dad's actually a retired minister. So really? Yep. I got really lucky in that. And my parents are very open-minded. My dad's really big into history. So that's where my love of history came from. So we had I grew up surrounded by books. We had books. <laughs> uh, very uh, kind to remember it because I was really little. It was actually my older brother said this when we were out on a trip to the store, a store, mall, bookstore, whatever. And I wanted to get something and parents were like, you know how parents are like, do you deserve it? Blah, blah, blah. My brother actually apparently said to me, if you ask for a book, they'll get it for you. <laughs> they will always get us books, <laughs> which is true. They, so, And that's what I get my kids all the time, mostly is books instead of toys, because I, I encourage them to read and my kids are very active with that. But uh, no, I read a lot from sci-fi, history, world history horror uh music history i have a very vast i love collecting uh, music history books and biographies and as i said a big comic book writer i don't have as comic book fan i don't have as many comic books as i used to when you become an, when you become a parent at a young age you know certain you have to give up certain things so i don't have as much as i, I used to but uh very <laughs> this is how many books we had in the family at one point uh, so with ministers, you know, they get to sign different churches every couple of years or so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> one move for dad from one church to the other, one trip alone with the the biggest U-Haul trailer truck you could get, just one 
of those was just filled with dad's books. Wow. Just dad's books. That is impressive. Yeah, dad, dad has quite a bit and it goes from everything from religious books to his vast American Civil War book collection, Romans, Greeks, you name it. We, I have very vast, that's why I like, I even mentioned to you when that message like, the, that show barbarians on netflix mm-hmm. oh so, i love that show i was like oh i know she kind of likes this stuff but yeah this- that, i thought it was really cool that you mentioned that because i had talked to somebody else recently that i was like dude have you seen this show and they're like yeah it's really fucking good and it's like that last fucking scene where they're having the uh the battle and he's narrating it and you know there's something oh. kind of weird going on you know yep. oh and, yeah uh, so it's like, I, I, this- I watched the whole season in one day i was just like this is awesome. So did I. shows with this. And the fact that it's based on real people makes it even cooler for me because mm-hmm. that history's getting, I have, I have some German in me on my mom's side, so I've never really studied it as much. So I've been getting more into that as I've gotten older, mm-hmm. trying to study German history. I'm pretty good on English, Scott and Irish, because that's the rest of me. <laughs> all the stubborn white countries with the dry sense of humor and sarcasm is where i get (laughs) my genes from which works as i said being kind of shy and very introverted and being the weird kid growing up sarcasm became the defense mechanism my my brother's worse than me even though he's a lot more of an extrovert he's much more outgoing than i am by a long shot but uh yeah, growing up in Tennessee, it was it was weird because you know I was a I'm a big I'm a big dinosaur kid. I was a big dinosaur nerd growing up. I still keep up with it, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, all the advances in this stuff, <laughs> I can't even keep up. It's like every day they have all this new stuff and that, and I'm just like, and I have other other friends that are just as big a dinosaur nerds, and they're even more hardcore metal guys and I were like one of them he grew he was friends with Fear Factory before they got signed back in the early 90s he saw, saw him in the house shows in LA and stuff so he's cool. a, he, we talk dinosaurs all the time I love it <laughs> you'd see us and you would not think us being dinosaur people and the slightest but we love that stuff and so yeah all that stuff with you know just being shy and having the weird uh hobbies with the love of history and science and art and literature and like the joke old bill hicks joke talking how he's in a waffle house outside of nashville and they're like what you reading for and it's like the first time i heard that i was just like oh shit because i've kind of had those experiences myself which is like what are you reading for you're reading for fun you're not you only read like the mentality a lot of times is you, you read because you're assigned the books. No, I like to read because I like to read. Like I read Jurassic Park when I was in like seventh grade, which granted a seventh grade kid should not be reading Jurassic Park at all, the actual novel, because it's rated R. I <laughs> it? I didn't know that. Oh, the, the book is very violent. Really? It, oh yeah. Okay, I would like that. I too am right, a Crichton being uh, Crichton being a medical person, he was very uh, being a doctor before he became the writer. 
yeah, there was some very in-depth descriptions of the wounds. And yeah, me, when I like growing, yeah, I did deal with creationists growing up. Oh, I'm sure. Oh my God, the stories I have being a preacher's kid and dealing with. Oh, that must have been fun. It's like, sometimes it's like, don't argue with the preacher's kid, please. We're going to school you on so much of this stuff. I was raised Methodist. I'm agnostic now. and My dad totally understands why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, Methodists are tend to be a little bit more of one of the Protestant churches that are a little bit more open-minded and not as close-minded. But growing up in the South around so- a lot of Southern Baptist, Church of Christ, and other evangelicals, growing up and them seeing you long hair, wearing all black all the time. Oh, yeah, I got questioned quite a bit. I'm sure. So, and it's just like, so yeah, when you say it's like, he, I look like someone you want to fuck with, I'm like, I got that a lot and I still do, but it's just like, no, I'm just, I look at that. It was, it's basically my appearance is kind of a defense mechanism for the fact that I am a sh- mostly shy, awkward guy because I don't feel tough at all. And muse, the heavy metal over, especially is basically how I get out when I do feel aggression it is a and it's a form of therapy because as I said I we've talked obviously like we've mentioned our mutual love for Oingo Boingo which I I love 80s music I love I love that stuff that's my eclectic music taste and stuff so it's just like but metal is where I get out some of the therapy to the stuff that basically gives me my excuse to scream all the shit that's even though my lyrics might not be about that if i'm feeling pissed about something i use the channel to go through that that's part of of course that's that's been my therapy for the longest time so what do you like to write about uh obviously us being death metal very i always just call us like the death thrash because we do have a lot of thrashiness and Mm -hmm. we like to groove a lot too we all we all have a love of doom metal too we're all huge yeah it's very very doomy we have a we all have a very big love of bands like crowbar and my bassist and i are just like we love doom and all shapes and sizes like i'm a huge paradise lost and my dying bride fan but when it comes to what i actually write about i like you know so many bands there are already so many bands doing the horror and gore like I'm never going to overtop any of that. I'm not even trying. Like when I start first started trying to write metal lyrics when I was in high school, yeah, they were they were like that and I they were just awful and cheesy. I started trying to take more inspiration for my writing lyrically from my non-metal bands that and artists I love like Paul Simon and Tom Waits and Nick Cave. Oh, that's awesome, dude. I love Tom Waits and Nick Cave. Fuck yeah, dude. Love all that stuff. Paul Simon's why I wanted to play music. Max Cavalera made me want to sing in a metal band when I was growing up. Fucking Sepultura, dude. Oh yeah, Chaos City. Oh, I, good I, shit. Good yeah, fucking shit. That's that was kind of basically like I can do that. So, but when I come to writing, I still make it horror based because it's death metal, but I make it more real life horror. One of our songs is about the. Can never say the actual correct name for it because I'm horrible at pronouncing Japanese n- names. But the 
the woods in Japan that are famous for the mass suicide. Oh, yeah, the suicide forest. Uh, I can't remember what it's called right now, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, our song uh, "Force of the Dead" is about that place. I've always been when I first heard about, it, I was fascinated by it and more about the history. And I know there's tons of ghost stories, and a lot of people are scared mm-hmm. of it because I'll, I'm like, I want to know why they feel like this is the place they need to so but yeah that's i have a song about that uh the song i gave you today uh the consuming that one's it can be mental it can be taken different ways but basically it's about being consumed by something inside you that's overpowering you whether it's rage depression suicidal thoughts jealousy all that's that's a real world horror to some people being consumed by something that they think they have control over I have another song, uh, Needle Teeth, that is a combination of two things. Uh, I hate hypodermic needles. I'm one of those guys. I, I cannot watch the, if I'm getting a shot or blood drawn, I can't watch it go in. Once it's in, I'm fine. But you if have I have tattoos? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm how does that, that. work? <laughs> I, I know. I used to have more piercings in my ears than when I was younger. Those needles are fine because it's like in, out, in, out. It's like the pumping in and pumping things in and out of me okay so you know like the feeling of the pressure or just the just the concept of something being injected into your veins basically yeah and that's why i've never done hard drugs and never will do hard drugs because that involves for the best definitely (laughs) yes yes it is what what kind of Uh, drugs have you tried if i can ask i will admit i've done uh mushrooms twice and that is literally it really that is it. No way. That's it. Dude, I just sparked a day right now. I actually, I, I just got some mushrooms. I'm going to be um, tripping hopefully I did, tomorrow. <laughs> I did those when I was super young. So I haven't done anything since. I don't even drink anymore. And I'm having some alcoholic eggnog. I do the things. I do all the things. I mean, not all the things. But yeah, I, it's just not my thing. I used to drink. I have reasons for not drinking, but it's not like I had a problem i was just kind of like all right man i don't really need to do this my vices are sugar and caffeine <laughs> you know those are equally as unhealthy you. for you nathan uh, those oh, are oh, very I bad i know they're just as bad they're just sugar, as bad. sugar is more addictive than cocaine did you know that yes and so and so is cheese and i love cheese uh, yeah you know i try to stay away from dairy when i can because animals i'm not vegan or anything but i try mm-hmm. To not support certain things. No, I get that. I, I have, I'm just an I'm an om, omnivore, but I'm definitely a probably from growing up in the south. I, I definitely like to eat some good barbecue. <laughs> I can't help it. Dude, I love barbecue. Yeah. Um, but I want it to be like free range and grass fed. You know, they oh, yeah. had to have a good life. Hopefully. Yeah, it's a little bit easier up here. There's it seems a little bit more. There's farms for that stuff, so it's a little bit easier to find that stuff. Up oh, here. that's good. Oh man, yeah. I live outside Portland, so it's it's very uh, very progressive would be the nice word to put it without being all all super <laughs> hipster. <laughs> hipster, very hipster, very hipster. You know, well, hipsters it, are but, at least but, it, but but for the most part in a good way. I'll I'll say that much. Sorry, Portland, my Portland friends, but the town's gotten very hipster and partly gentrified sorry 
<laughs> I have some friends here that have lived here their whole life and they're like, holy crap, it's changing so much. I've been, a, you know, I've, I moved to Maine from California. Everyone's like, why? I was like, eh, dumb decisions, but I love it here now. So. Anyway, back, back to where, man, see, this is what happened. I've only done like three other interviews ever music related with my old band in Cali. So I haven't done an interview in a while. So I can, I can be. Oh no, it's dude. This is a conversation. Talk about yeah. whatever you want to talk okay. about. Okay. I'm just saying, I'm like, oh man, I do this all the time because I don't, I'm not, I don't talk a lot. I guess about myself. neither do I I neither do I so I think it's cool that I have like people like you that are willing to come on and just <laughs> fucking bullshit with me you know what I mean I just want to have like in-depth casual conversations not so much like a strict interview like okay you know, cool. tell me about your lineup change like <laughs> <laughs> oh man I would um, do one of those I've, I've had I've watched friends do that and I'm just like how many have you done of those today too many oh, oh god so I just I don't want it to be boring but you know I just I want to talk about shit that matters shit that everybody can relate to yeah. right. um I think pain is something that's constant that everybody can relate to whether you're a person or an animal or fucking a little insect even yeah um so that's kind of like the glue that's gonna stick all these individual stories together you know what i mean yeah, yeah. so what what do you what do you struggle with do you struggle with depression do you you mentioned anxiety earlier i have basically i have a general some generalized anxiety a little bit of social anxiety because of the bullying uh depression i that runs in both sides of the family and i also have abandonment issues okay where uh, do you think those come from uh well it's kind of strange because I've, I've always felt like the friend that people forget about easily or move on from really easily a lot have don't have a lot of close friends and even sometimes the close friends seem to just drift away. And it's just always like, why am I easy to forget? Right. What? Or I'm boys. So there's that. And also uh, probably even though I'm close with both my parents now, when my parents got divorced, it was, uh, it was about, I was fifth grade when it happened. So, and I went, I went, when I was younger, I was closer to my mom. So I lived with my mom. I went with my mom. My brother stayed with my dad mm-hmm. and we had, dad joint custody and all that fun stuff so but uh there was a little bit of resentment and wondering what went wrong and you know when you're that young you tend to blame yourself and yeah or or you blame one of the parents and and when i definitely probably blame my dad because he's the one that broke the news to us but i'm closer to my dad now i for i've that kind of stuff i've kind of gone over but no those thoughts still linger and as i said being the shy kid so when i get friends to quote like from like tommy boys like i get a new friend and a new toy and i'm like get all excited and then i just break it and fuck it up and i always feel like what i do did i do something wrong for them and just as my therapist has explained to, to me you know not all relationships last they're they're it's gonna fade away. It's gonna break apart. I, also, I feel like I care too much. I'm I'm a caring person too, which 
mm-hmm. contrary to the wild, crazy metalhead that some people have stereotypes. And I, with the people I work with, that happens all the time. I get oh, that. Oh, fuck yeah. You know, I've been at my job for five years and some people are like, when I first saw you, I was just like, oh my God, he's just going to get it tough. And you're just a smart ass. You're just a sarcastic, sarcastic, witty, smart ass. And I'm like, yeah, thank you. That's how I am. I just look. So you said, so I said, I'm like, I feel like the least threatening member of my band. <laughs> like, so. I, I still wouldn't fuck with you. All right. Well, <laughs> I hope I at least would make you feel cut. Now that you've talked to me, you can see I'm not an intimidating. No, yeah, obviously. No, you're a nice guy. I'm just saying if I was a dude <laughs> and you gave me, you know, we accidentally bumped into, into each other at a show or something, I'd say sorry. <laughs> uh, I would I would probably have apologized first because I was raised. I'm, I, I'm very polite, which that takes people by surprise. But yeah, years of depression and anxiety, and the anxiety really started rearing its head fairly right around 1920. It was around 1920. I started having, I would start around that time, I, I was a dumbass and dropped out of college halfway through my uh, second semester as a freshman. I so wish I stuck with it, but that's a totally different other rant to go on there. I went for like a semester. Don't even worry. (laughs) Yeah, I was on a scholarship, so that was. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. Uh, But uh, about a year later, I was just mostly I was I just went straight into working and trying to just do the work life. And I started with hyperventilate and. Then I would feel like my body starting going numb, usually from my feet up. And I was at a friend's house one of the first times this happened, and I just dropped, like just <laughs> hit the deck. Yeah. Still awake. I just like my whole body went numb and I just dropped. Wow. And they had to help calm me down and was like, what the hell was that? And started having these, having stuff like that regularly. And I would catch myself starting to feel numb to where I would go sit down or lay down somewhere before I would drop. And uh, I was at the same friend, the same friend's house with New Year's with a group of friends. And it's New Year's, so we were all up late. We all pass out. And apparently it started hyperventilating in my sleep in the morning. They found me and I was just like hyperventilating and they didn't know what to do. So they took me to the hospital. Wow. And I came to there and was like, what's going on? What time is it? What's going on? Like, just totally out of it because I was asleep. But uh, no idea. So they decided to. It just started uh, happening. There was like no yeah. traumatic event that, that occurred. No. You weren't in an accident no. or something. Nope. Not at all. That's so it's just like, all right. Doctors are like, all right. So it's been happening for a while. So we'll send you to some specialists, get some tests and did like EKGs, MRIs, all that fun stuff. And my dad was the one that took me to all these. So even he was like trying to, he was concerned and all. And uh, so it's like, okay, we got the results and blah, blah, blah. So went in and well, your results are all coming up kind of normal. And so all we can think of really is that uh, you're just having some spells. That's how the, the doctor even, yeah. My dad and I are just like, really? Spells, like, what does that mean? It's like, it'll probably go away. Something's probably just, it might just be stress. Who knows? We, you know, they didn't even think 
That's things that I could. Ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I've had like dealt with kind of like the usual depression, young adult pressure, depression type stuff. So I was just mm-hmm. like, what is this? Didn't really realize until like uh probably like about a decade ago. I was probably about 28 when I realized that was probably anxiety attacks and panic attacks I was suffering. And so weird. And because reading up on it and having friends and roommates that went to therapy for that stuff and them explaining some of the feelings they had and realizing, holy shit, I was having a really bad anxiety attacks back mm-hmm. then. I thankfully don't have them like that anymore. And my when I do start feeling anxious, I just start doing, try to kind of go zen and be all like, breathe, stay calm, talk mm-hmm. myself down. So don't really have anything to the point where I'm going now and I feel like I'm going to hit the floor or I'm, I managed to catch myself before I hyperventilate. So I don't, and I've been on medication for anxiety before and depression and currently not on it. Cause it's just oh, our wonderful healthcare system. You know how that, how that can, how fun that can be. Did so, they help you? Uh, in hindsight, yes, but also you'd have to get the, the dose adjusted so much and then there are definitely times especially with the antidepressants that you worry about becoming too dependent on them mm-hmm. so but yeah i I'm, I'm also one of the ones that i don't say you don't take medication because they're just trying to pump stuff into you and blah 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 because um, when people do the like oh there's altering chemicals like yeah no shit because my brain's not making the right chemicals in the first place so yeah i wanted to alter it to make it work but i currently don't my i just i go to therapy and man those are how i deal with my depression anxiety and all that fun stuff and it's a great combo i have my therapist that i can talk the serious part with it and to deal with the more I have to scream my frustration about this. I'm going to go scream in the microphone for a couple hours or we have a show. I'm going to go scream. But then before and after a show, I have to deal with don't feel overwhelmed with dealing with people (laughs) because Mm of anxiety. But usually after show, I'm like, all right, I'm good. We don't have another show for another couple of weeks perfect because it's going to take a couple weeks for me to recharge from dealing yeah oh i feel that i feel that i used to have super fucking social anxiety well i still do whenever i would go out to shows and then you know when i'd go by myself and then it's like oh there's creepy dudes sometimes and all these people in my space and i'm like oh god and it's really hard for me to like come Mm -hmm. out of my shell and oh yeah i'm not one to go up and talk to somebody you know what i mean it's like you oh yeah oh I guess whole totally just like deer in headlights if it shows I am one of the guy not with my arm I'm not the guy standing with my arms crossed but yeah I can be that guy against the wall <laughs> I'm just like everybody at a metal show oh, ever god. It was, the worst I ever saw that it was LA oh my god that's my hood yo <laughs> yes and that's what it is either that or uh I mean, people got their little groups, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But there's, especially at the main shows, though, that's like everybody, everybody, except the young kids that are like 19 in the front. Yeah. Everyone comes through LA, so they have the impress me. 
<laughs> that's what I called it. The, you got to impress me to have me do anything. Yeah, you could definitely. But, oh, yeah. playing LA show. Fucking God, I did not miss that at all. Here they go. They have, we have fun. We have mm-hmm. well, definitely a lot more fun here. Being in three different metal scenes and different parts of the country, definitely getting to see a different vibe in different ones. LA is spoiled and they all think we're going to make it. <laughs> I was just talking to my friend from LA about that in the first episode. Yep, I remember that. Everyone thinks they're going to make it mm-hmm. and maybe one or two will make it and from the the group of bands that I mostly play with, my old band was, uh, I don't know, when were you in LA? Uh, I mean, I've lived there up until last year. I lived there all my life. What about you? Okay, I was there from the end of 2004 until 2012. Oh, okay. I actually was in a band called Ketaset. Don't think I ever heard of it. So interestingly enough, my brother, who was our bass player, was in this moment's original bass player before they got signed. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember metal, if I if back I when in this moment was, back when in this moment was metalcore <laughs> before they went all kind of the poppy industrial. This was way back in the day with mm. we we did a one of the Human Abstract opened for us once. We played with Scale the Summit Crematorium quite a few times. That's cool. Yeah, good friends with Dan Dismal from the, those guys. The good buddy of ours. Oh yeah, I love Dan. Oh, Dan, fucking my first show in Los Angeles when I moved there was a church. It was one of the early Church of the Eighth Day shows. Nice. He's yeah. good people, dude. Oh, yeah. I love Dan. He's fucking awesome. Great guy. Still. And I still talk to him every once in a while, too. Great guy. But like uh, all the intronaut guys that my brothers recorded pretty worked on every one of their albums since prehistoricisms. Good friends with those guys. Great guys. But uh. Yeah, so our scene, yeah, like three, two, three bands really made it big when I was there. In This Moment was the one that made it, and we kind of all kind of knew. Keta said we were too fucking weird. <laughs> and I say that with all the love. I love the music we did, but we were just fucking weirdos. And we were weird. The band was weird back in Tennessee before I joined because they were weird. It was originally a Tennessee band. We were just techie, mathy. Like tech death? Not tech death. We we not, we played with a lot of death metal bands, but we were more like tech thrash. You know, okay. oh, my brother and my drummer, my brother Josh and our drummer Mark, wonderful musicians. Our guitarist Eric was fucking killer too. We had, I was spoiled with that band. They were so good with gear. But... Oh my God, odd time signatures. And I wasn't great at sight reading or the really complicated time signatures My in my uh, marching band, concert band days. My brother is great with that shit. So when we were talking, it's like, oh, this part is 7 8 and it goes into 13 12. What? <laughs> and oh, and, and he, would, he would start counting it out numerically. It goes one, two, one. And I just, just play the riff. I'll figure out the groove if you play it. But if you count it to me, I'm not going to figure it out because math is not my forte. Same. So it's like I was in a I was in a technical odd time signature metal band, yet I suck at math. <laughs> so I don't know, what, maybe you just had the right like vocal 
patterns oh, and rhythms to be basically able to play yeah with it. oh and i give all my brother credit in the world to help me with uh learning how to uh uh oh what's the word i'm looking for compose basically mm -hmm. compose lyrics to the music like i can write all day doesn't mean right. it's necessarily gonna fit i don't and so basically composition and form or like okay this is what you're trying to say but it needs to be shorter try this instead and all that he helped teach me that teach that stuff to me and that works wonders when i came and joined bloodborne which is way way simpler mm -hmm. which initially when i joined i was like all right i can do this and then i was when i came to starting writing i was like shit i'm so used to trying to deal with weird time signatures this is almost all four four or three four or two four it doesn't get too all right, we're going to have to try to remember how to write simpler <laughs> in a way. My main focus is also to not oversing because that happens a lot, even with bands signed. That's a big problem I find with bands around here with their vocalists is they have they feel like they have to scream over everything. No, there's definitely supposed to be a pause in there where you let the leads there, there, kind of yes. do your thing and have have the beautiful solos or the melancholy melancholy intros or whatever exactly or just this headbang section just let them headbang for a bit it's yeah. okay yeah and i do that and it, it's a lot of that credit goes for my brother teaching me how to compose and give the song air and breath as i as a for the music as well. It's just not all about me screaming my head off the whole time. If I wanted to do that, I would be in like a noise rock band, noise core band, or I would just sit with the table with all the pedals while screaming into a microphone. <laughs> Which some of that stuff's cool, but no, I, I can only do so much of that. But uh, yeah, all the different scenes. And because I, I started, as I said, Ketaset started in Tennessee before I joined. I didn't join until way way later later when after they had already been in los angeles for a while and uh but i tried out for bands there and i was actually uh for like a good in and would jam and do guest vocals with friends bands there all the time and there's a couple bands in tennessee that got signed uh the tony danza tap dance extravaganza oh god oh yeah the name i know the name is ridiculous it but does everything those guys are killer they were uh, so good they're not <laughs> i know that they they by the end of their career they just went by danza anyway mostly but i heard them before they chose that name i had jammed with them for audition for their vocalist spot for a while and it was very much influenced by like the early metalcore like when it was more chaotic and crazy mm -hmm. like it wasn't screaming verse singing chorus it was all just like basically like Coles and we like botch and early Dillinger escape plan, just that kind of chaotic crazy. So it was just like, this is awesome. Those guys, I love those guys. I still talk to a couple of them all the time, but yeah, they, uh, they got, came out of there. I uh, had friends in a band called destroy, 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 <laughs> who actually did uh, pagan metal. It was, it was cool. It was different. Because it was just kind of like, really? destroy, destroy, destroy. But yeah, they were all about, they wore the big gauntlets. And I want to say one of their promo photos, they're in like 
loincloths and everything. <laughs> but yeah, they were they were all on like uh, black market activities from the vocalist from the Red Chords old label. So they were okay. So yeah, they were from that scene, like that chaotic, crazy proto. All the bands that everyone started calling deathcore later, they were kind of like the proto before. The proto deathcore. Yeah, when it was like good. When it was, calendar here. Yeah, when they were when it was good, like animosity and stuff like that, you know. So that was the first scene I started uh, auditioning for in in Tennessee was bands like that. So I got into all that, and then after I got married, my ex. My ex-wife, she has family. She had kept family in California. My brother was living out in California, so we kind of like want to make the jump. Sure, mm -hmm. so we did, and that's how I ended up in the Southern California music scene. And now I'm in the Maine, New England metal scene. We've more mostly just Maine, but we've tried to get a little bit more regional. We've played in we played in Massachusetts. We've played in New Hampshire. We were hoping to play a lot this year. Mm -hmm. That one came out last year we released it digitally in march but the physical copies came out in october we actually played our record release show with two bands from ohio oh what bands mutilatred and inoculation i think i might have heard of the second one i still haven't been to too many shows around here because of the whole stupid COVID thing yeah inoculation is uh really cool uh ironically when we got offered that gig by the promoter for it he mentioned it to me he's like i got this gig coming up i think you guys would do really well and i was like oh okay cool sound pretty those names sound pretty cool mm -hmm. two days later one of the guys in inoculation messaged us on facebook asking if we wanted to play the same show so i was like yeah yeah okay cool inoculation is uh they're both death metal uh inoculation is more sci-fi-ish uh, mm -hmm. lyrical content mutilatred is more on the morbid angel spectrum of like early morbid like just oh nice old school Love so it was yeah it was a it was a good fit for us being older heads that we are and so it was a good show and that was a good it was fun being the headliner it was like our first headline show was like this is cool <laughs> opening so we've bad. done second we've done third so being headliner and it was just kind of like, yeah, cool. And a couple months later, we kind of went on a hiatus for we hiatus for playing live because some of us were dealing with some personal shit. And then a month later, COVID hit. So it was just kind of like, shit. <laughs> so hopefully we'll be able to play. I don't say until at least May next year at the earliest at this rate. Right. Hopefully we have hopefully. a couple... Yeah, or you have two songs that aren't that we've been playing out that aren't on the album, and we've got about two that are almost done that we're trying to finish musically. Once the music's finished, it's easier for me to write. I have a hard time writing if the music's not done. Some people are like, "Do you ever write?" And they have something written, and then, "Oh, this will fit for it." No, everything I write is after the music's been done. I, as I said, I can write all day long. It doesn't mean it's gonna fucking work. So I wait. Right. So, and yeah, it's then, easier to like set the tone and the rhythm to yeah, when you already have the music there as opposed to like yeah. trying to so work, every, make music around lyrics. Oh, yeah. And everything starts out the old school obituary way. No lyrics. I'm just making noise. 
it's my guitarist puts it just do the oozars and rars man <laughs> oozars and rars that's that's a good way to put it yeah and it's true i will just sit there and i'll make the noise for so many how how many and i'll do it and it's like all right how, and then i'll think sometimes okay how many consonants or all that and be like okay how many okay yeah yeah right, that, right, that works but it gives me an idea for patterns and flow when i do it that way <laughs> it does absolutely look ridiculous at the same time and i know it looks ridiculous, <laughs> but at the same time it works it breaks it down to where i can just like come up with a pattern making the noise and then being like all right you know where you're gonna write you know the where your vocal patterns are gonna be you know where it repeats because some of our songs, we definitely have a very verse, chorus, bridge structure. We don't go too crazy, which is fine. But some of them also don't do that. Like, I'll just, there'll be no core, actual chorus. It'll just be all verses and maybe like a line here or there. Or then there's some that are, yeah, they have choruses, but the chorus is a different chorus both times. It's just how it worked out. <laughs> so writing, writing. Uh, as I said, the real life horror, as I said, like needle teeth about my fear of needles and drug addiction. Because I've had I have friend I've had friends and people I know deal with drug addiction. And so needle teeth combined those two horrors, a phobia and drug addiction. Consuming is about as I said, can be about whatever can consume you and you being afraid of it. Uh <laughs> this one, our, our album opener, actually, the title was a suggestion for my guitarist. He was like, I got an idea for that song, mm -hmm. for a title. And I was like, oh, what's that? Active Shooter was the title. He's, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I was like, totally can run with that one because my mom survived a school shooting way back in the day. No way. Oh, Tell yeah. me. Tell me all about it. I was in eighth grade my and my brother was a junior so i was at the junior high he was at that high school my mom taught at the other high school in our county in tennessee mm -hmm. and i was in class and all of a sudden someone came to the door from the office talked to my teacher for a second and then they go nathan they need to see you in the office and i was just like okay and so I went out and everyone in the class is just like, they start talking because I'm known as the quiet, good kid. I don't get in trouble. I don't cause any problems. So mm -hmm. that got them all talking because they're just like, mm -hmm. they asked for Nathan into the office. That never happens. So I go into the office and all I was told was, we just want to tell you there's been an incident at Richland High School. But we have confirmed that your mom is okay. That's all they told me. So I was like, okay. And no, so I was like, all right, you can go back to class now. It's just uh, don't say anything. Just tell them it's a, it was a family thing. I was like, all right. So that's what I did. They're trying to be really good about controlling it. Mm -hmm. Brother was not so lucky. He's in English class. And this is from what he told me. I think I've got this live. Someone came running into the room going, there's been a shooting at Richland and then ran out. And oh, shit. everyone in the class is always like, and obviously my brother's just like, oh, shit. Mm -hmm. And then someone versus like the person was like, it's been confirmed. Uh, a student 
one teacher and one student dead and another student teacher wounded and then left again. So he's just sitting there just like, apparently from what he's told me, just like, just like trying to maintain, but also just being very visibly just very, yeah, because yeah, mom's a teacher there. Yeah. And her, apparently his teacher was just like, oh my goodness, oh my God. And just, is just like, you know, just like taking it too. And then looks and sees him kind of just kind of quietly freaking out. And then she just realized, oh God, your mom teaches there, doesn't he, doesn't she? And mm-hmm. he, yes. <laughs> Thankfully, mom got a hold of him too. Because they, apparently it, the news broke at the high school before the junior high and they were trying to do damage control by the time they told me but uh yes uh do they know why there was a shooting the kid was definitely uh disturbed he was a troubled kid my mom had him in class one year and he was definitely uh unfortunately some of the cliches that you hear about the lone gunmen and shooters in those cases he Mm -hmm. was definitely one of those he was not he was a troubled kid but uh it didn't make a lot of news because the school system didn't want to make a big deal of it because they felt like if they got too much media attention yeah they would focus on all the bad but no a lot yeah two people i think two people died one teacher did die for sure maybe a student i can't remember as i said that was that was in eighth grade so that was yeah that's scary dude glad your mom's okay yeah, mom rounded the corner trying to run for help because they could hear everything going crazy. And she rounded the corner right after they had other teachers had pinned him down and pulled the shotgun away. Jeez. Yeah, so we got very lucky. So when Columbine happened, when I was the end of my junior year, and all that and yeah by that time i'm long hair all black clothing combat oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly that was because when that happened i was in school it was we were in class when that happened i think i was in history class and they put on the news and we were just watching it, and i'm just sitting there and i'm just like shit i know how the, i know how the next year is gonna go really? oh yeah a lot of awful awful jokes about oh don't come up and shoot up the school man and then sometimes going you do remember richland my mom taught there and that shut up a couple kids but no i did hear that a little bit so that's Uh, annoying but uh active shooter was uh yeah title started with title and it was very easy to write unfortunately because of this wonderful country that we live in where shootings are rampant all the time mm-hmm. especially at the time i wrote the song yeah that's fucking crazy. it was it was i i want to say it was suggested before oh jesus the big one down in florida a couple years ago at the, the it was, wasn't it an elementary school uh after after the elementary school that was up here a couple years ago the one the one in florida at the high school in florida where the kids have been very active about oh yeah yeah being all weren't they on time magazine and all that shit because they were yeah which i understand because yeah having a mom survive school shooting i totally get i totally get it i really do (laughs) but yeah i wrote that before that happened and when that happened i was just like oh god (laughs) Well, this is why this song's easy to write. Yeah. 
when we <laughs> funny story about that song well funny i ironically kind of like <laughs> oh shit we were it was our first time playing new hampshire we were actually opening for cannabis corpse the little the weed themed death metal band from the guys from yeah uh, waste so we're gonna play that that's gonna be in the, our set list and that day last that so that was last yeah that was last summer yeah Last summer it was last August. <laughs> that was that day that we had two mass shootings in this country in the same day in August last summer. <laughs> so we're gonna. Play, I was just like, before we're playing, that's on the news. And I'm just like, we're still playing this, right? And they're like, it's one of our best songs. And I was like, no, well, all right, cool. <laughs> and while we're waiting, the other one happens while we're waiting. We're just like, Jesus, oh god. Right? So before we <laughs> play it, I just went. So this next song is kind of really relevant, especially today. This is Active Shooter. And as soon as I said the name, I hear people in the audience go, ooh. Damn. (laughs) And I I just went, yeah, well, and shrugged, and we went into the song. Yeah. Like, write what you see, and as I said, real life horror, that's a fucking horrible uh, it was just bad timing on it was, part. it was it was kind of just like an ironically like well wouldn't have to write about it if it didn't happen so much yeah i wonder why that's such a such an american problem i don't think there's been any other countries that has like that much of a fucking issue with public shootings Nope. The biggest shooting I can think of in my lifetime was in Norway a couple of years ago with the right wing guy that went nuts and shot up the camp out on that lake out in Norway. I that was recently? Uh, the last decade. It's been, I want to say that happened right after I moved to Maine. So that had been about 2012, 2013. But yeah, it's just like, <laughs> since, since for me, since about eighth grade, mass shootings have been kind of normal <laughs> i know they're they're totally fucking normal but like why though why specifically here in america i know we have a I, shitty I mental health care system maybe that's why I, that probably helps and also the stigmas yeah uh, we were going to talk about that uh because yeah because a lot of the shootings are guys and there's a lot of the stigma about men don't talk about their feelings shove it down no and don't you can't cry you it's unmanly and all that cliche and yeah growing up with a lot of surrounded by a lot of self-proclaimed rednecks and jocks and preppy kids and being from a very intellectual family where it was we were encouraged to our we were encouraged to it was okay to show emotion our parents were not like stuff it down i think with my dad it was because my grandfather was a drill sergeant so Mm -hmm. dad was more it's okay. You don't have to be tough. It's okay to not be tough because he had to deal with that kind of mentality with the... Well, it's really awesome that he decided to like break that Oh, that was cycle. great. With like my brother and I both had mohawks when we were younger and dad gave it, he shaved them for us. He was like, it's really? hair. Yeah. He was like, it's hair. It'll grow back. So he was like a pretty cool guy despite being a minister? Yeah, as I said, dad, very open-minded about all that stuff. He he did great. Took my brother to his first Metallica concert and stuff like that. And That's awesome. 
very no he understood that it was music and an image and you know he knew the whole overblown it's all satanic it's not true granted when i was younger some of the more obviously looking satanic like i didn't listen to like deicide when i was younger <laughs> didn't, i don't i try when i was when i moved through to maine i did stop and visit both my folks in tennessee and i was at when i was at dad's house i wasn't wasn't wearing my i hate god t-shirts you know at the house even right, though I, right. I know he would have totally gotten it but you know mm-hmm. just to be respectful as I, said, I don't i don't piss on anyone's religion if they don't i don't care what someone's religion is as, as long as they don't shove it down my throat you know yeah i had plenty of people trying to save me and i was just like you know i I go to church you do know that right <laughs> so you're you're you never even went through that with your dad at all he didn't he oh. never tried to shove that because I no, it I was it. it was uh that was dad's job so we went to when we were younger we went to dad's job on Sunday because that's where we were but no dad early age told being the history not that he is basically it's just explained the his, a lot of the history of christianity to us at a young age so i knew how the new testament was formed oh there's this is why the gnostic gospels were left out or this was based on this and blah 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 don't take that so seriously um, that he was really good about that very much ironically because apparently a lot of christians forget this he was like you know god gave you a brain to to ask questions and not follow blindly that's something my dad taught me <laughs> so not according to my catholic parents <laughs> my step family was raised catholic and they are once my stepmom married my dad they all converted to being protestant and they're very much especially the oldest of my stepbrothers who's my age old friend of mine we were friends before the, my parent my dad and stepmom got married but uh very much very anti-catholic very anti that blind faith hardcore oh, i hate that fucking shit it makes me sick like i love i love my family especially my mother but she's all about that fucking blind faith dude no no thinking for yourself fucking at all just leave it up to god and she means well but that shit drives me fucking crazy no i gotta bite my tongue so many times dude no i get that no dad is very like i have a lot of friends that are atheists or very anti-religion and they're like your dad sounds really cool Mm because a lot of them have those horror stories yeah i know i looked and then i'm like very lucky with dad being that way and no dad was like no dad's dad is you know like very much into humor and horror and stuff like my introduction to horror was this tales from the crypt comics from back in the day nice and the old to love that show and not even the show like the comic books the old comics from the 50s and stuff oh that's fucking cool that was my introduction to horror so i had a very high feeling for horror when i got into it and uh all that stuff like ray harryhausen movies great mythology all that stuff but that was like and very big avid monty python fan 
Oh, those movies are hilarious. It took me a while to get into them. At first, I wasn't a, a fan of like the dry British humor, but then I watched it again later, and I was like, "This is so goofy, and it's hilarious." I, that's what I grew up with, so that's where that my dry sarcasm and humor comes from. A lot mm-hmm. of that, mm-hmm. but uh, Life of Brian and stuff like that—that's a very obvious poking fun at Christianity. Mm-hmm. That's one of my dad's favorite movies. He loves it. Dad's always said people that especially Christians that are super loud about I'm Christian. I look how good I am. I'm Christian. I believe this. I believe that are very loud about it. Actually are very insecure about it. They're, they, they're loud about it like that because they want to prove more so to themselves that they are that. They're probably full of shit too. Yes. My dad called, he's like, you know how, especially nowadays, he's like, you know how they call a lot of the very, they call them Islamists with that the si the ist instead of just muslim and all like the islamists like isis and all that and it's like i called christians that are like that christian is <laughs> claim they are but they tend to skewer a lot of the message a lot of those churches go by all this older stuff that's not in the new testament because right right uh, yeah and, and yeah i was like if he and also if you have to have a sense of humor about your religion because mm-hmm. if you're taking it if you can't even poke fun at your own religion you really don't believe it <laughs> like dogma came out the kevin smith's movie dogma came out when i was in a senior and i went with my stepbrother he was laughing more at the jokes than i was because he was raised catholic so he got it more so it took me a while to catch up on some of the jokes but i got a good chunk of them because i knew a little bit of it the, of catholicism being raised methodist so when that came out on home video and so dad was like, oh, he's like, I like a good religious comedy. He's like, dad, it's pretty raunchy with the language. He's like, I can handle it. I was like, okay, just saying. So as soon as he saw George Carlin portraying a Cardinal Pope, my dad lost it. He was laughing his ass off. He was like, and by the end of it, he's like, no, there's a lot of good points in this movie. And I know a lot of people that were probably protesting this, that this is anti-Christian probably are totally missing the point (laughs) so yeah religion to me there's good there are goods and bad in all of it that's why i just am agnostic because it leaves Mm -hmm. that whole open maybe right but it's not not as hardline as atheists or blind faith right right it's like you believe there could be some level of spiritual yes plain or something but you're not necessarily subscribed to any one religion exactly there's good there's there i have studied a lot of world religions a little bit and to see what some of it's about because you know you always care i'm curious about that stuff you want to know and also dealing finding trying to find ways that might because there's a lot of people in this country too when you tell them you're depressed or dealing with all this stuff that will have you gone to church have you read the bible oh god yes exactly exactly yeah sorry jesus can't fix my brain bitch yeah it's just like give it all to god but at the same time he's like well why what's wrong with these other religions maybe they might have some ideas too so just try to look it out try different things and dealing with all this nonsense and all the stigma coming up with macho being surrounded by what was considered macho and manly and not being any of those stereotypes for the deep South. 
because that was deep south where I lived. First town in Tennessee I lived in was one stoplight in the whole town. Jeez. And then I spent my junior high and high school years in the town that gave the world the Ku Klux Klan. Exciting. Yeah. Nice so. locations you chose there, Nathan. <laughs> Well, that must that must have really sucked then if you were raised to be able to express yourself and express your emotions and then you're surrounded by all these little shitheads in elementary, middle school, high school that are telling you that that's wrong. Like, I'm sure that must have made you feel very ostracized and alone. By, by most by most of the, um, the men, the, the boys. Yeah. A lot of my good friends growing up were, especially once I hit junior high and high school, were girls. They were, okay. they were a little less, they were, they were more appreciative of the fact that I wasn't so typical guy. Yeah. But also I didn't want to hang out with a lot of the guys because they were that. And I didn't like it. I, it wasn't me. And with the times I tried to fake it to get friends it just it didn't feel right and they they would know so i would get they'd find some way to kind of play jokes or pranks or whatever on me like and it sucks some of my one of my best friends from junior high uh who was he when i moved to basically after my parents divorced and we lived in, my mom and I lived in one area for a bit and then we transfer. She got the, a new house. And so I had to transfer between schools in the middle of the school year in sixth grade, which obviously at those time frames is really tough. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're a new kid in the middle of a school year, it's going to be noticed. No, it wasn't even middle school year. It was like the end of school. It was like the last two months of school I got transferred. Well, at least it was almost towards the end. Yeah, but being that new, that late in the year, oh yeah, and being a weird kid showing up to school with dinosaurs on my backpack into Pulaski, mm-hmm. Tennessee, this very rednecky place. Yeah, it, it, I definitely I showed up basically with a target on my back, but my good friend may he rest in peace he passed away from cancer a couple years ago my friend john van doren came up and he was like you look interesting i want to be your friend john john didn't have anyone that he got along with everyone he was a good guy he he was born with a his back was messed up when he was born so he was on crutches so he he had a lot of adversity in front of him but he was one that if he thought you looked like someone too interesting he definitely wanted to be your friend and he was my first friend in that town and my closest friend in that town all the way up through graduation uh so it was kind of nice because he was no no one picked on him even though he was disabled but every <laughs> but basically because of him being on crutches his whole life his upper body was built like a brick shit house <laughs> <laughs> so probably no one wanted to fight him even mm-hmm. He was just that good of a guy. He was just that friendly, but that he welcomed me and made me f- feel like I had that friend. Awesome. So, he sounds like a really great person. He, he was. I went into, I finally got into therapy last year. 
Mm-hmm. I've wanted to go for years, but just always as we've kind of talked before, just trying to figure out the financial end and just yeah, it's expensive. Having, having a coworker tell me that there was the uh, program at work mm-hmm. where they can at least get you a couple sessions and they figure out from there. Right, it was great. And so you had an opportunity to go to therapy through work. Yep. Okay. They uh, would cover the first five sessions. Mm-hmm. That's fucking awesome, dude. That's yeah. like 150 and, each. Yeah. And what worked out even better was the, uh, the therapist I see, my therapist, uh, mm-hmm. he was suggested by an ex-roommate's therapist that she went to. because I was wanting to go and she, I was like, do you think your therapist has any suggestions for me? And she suggested my therapist who thankfully in my was covered by the work program. So it worked out kind of nice little synchronicity there where it was like, oh, you can do this. Here's someone that your therapist, the friend's therapist thinks would be perfect for you. And oh, look, covered. You can go see him for, for at least five sessions free, basically. That's awesome. And I did. And once that went up, I was like, I really don't want to stop going. Because last year I had a lot of... Uh, the abandonment issues came up. I won't go into details why, but uh, it came up and there was a lot of fear and it was ramping up my anxiety a lot. It was ramping up my depression a lot. And I just, and talking to someone finally and being able to talk to someone because it just always being like, this is too expensive because I've never thought going, seeing a therapist as a guy was unmanly. I'm like, I, I had, think my dad said he's gone before and I know my mom has when after the divorce a little bit mm-hmm. but uh you know I never thought it wasn't I didn't I think it was it was intimidating also the idea because as I say being so anxious and shy and introverted just talking to a stranger felt very intimidating so that was one of the other factors for a long time putting it off was just wrestling with the how am I going to break the ice how is this gonna how what's I don't know what this is gonna be like this is gonna be so weird I don't know Mm -hmm. what to do but once I I was like no I need to do this and I did and so I've been with him now June of last year is when I finally I started seeing him so I've been with him for about a year and a half now I went start yeah did the first five and then after that we worked out uh basically a payment options and I went from seeing him every week to where I saw him every other week. And about, let's say August, maybe July, end of July this year, we cut back to where I only see him like once a month right now. Because unlike a lot of people <laughs> during this whole uh, pandemic shutdown who are not used to handling a lot of these kind of situations and feelings, my therapist has actually been very happy with how I've been doing and when we were talking about it initially I I was like I chalk it up to my love of dark history knowing that we've been through a pandemic that's ravaged the world like this before a couple times we always bounce back so once we get through we'll be okay my dark sense of humor (laughs) and my self-deprecating humor and also besides from I've worked the whole time. My job did not being in the medical uh, manufacturing field, basically. We didn't stop working. 
I've worked this whole time. I didn't lose my job. There yeah, was a couple of, there was a less no overtime throughout the summer, so that definitely hit the wall during the summer. But we're back on overtime, so yay! Oh, so happy to see that back on a paycheck after mm-hmm. about seven months of no overtime was just like oh, and then seeing it again was like oh, thank God <laughs> that that helps. Money helps. Yeah. But uh, no, I, he chalked it up for that. And he was worried about, especially big incident happened last November around this time. Well, actually the day that post I made about basically saying I've been doing pretty good. I'm not in a bad headspace. My therapist has been good. Guys, fuck the stigma. If you want to go to therapy, go to therapy. That whole post, basically the one year anniversary of this event, it, nothing suicidal or anything like that i didn't just just had to do as i said deal with my depression and abandonment issues basically mm-hmm. and i was just like no i'm doing really good and we had i had therapy earlier uh the week before and he was asking he asked me how do you feel about things coming up and i was like i'm feeling okay i've thought about it and it still sucks but not gonna let it get it down i'm not gonna dwell on it i'm not gonna and that's been how i've been dealing with my depression a lot this year it's just like Mm -hmm. yeah i start getting depressed here and there and then like a lot of this year i know a lot of people have and dealing with it for the first time really hard ever in their lives so it's a big issue and he has told me that he's had to have a couple of clients go in because they were, weren't doing well. And he has been so happy with how I've been doing this year. And so, but yeah, this year, this, this year around these anniversary of these big events, instead of being all like maybe being triggered by an emotion or, Oh, this happened on this day being overwhelmed by it. I basically accepted it. It was not easy to get there. And it was just more just like, do I really want to get depressed about this this weekend? It's yeah. right after it's right after my daughter's birthday. Do I really want to dwell on this? And it was like, no, I don't. I don't feel like I did last year this time. And that means more that I don't feel like that. So it was just yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like, cool. All right. So I just treated it like it was any other day. Uh, you know, and also another this past Thanksgiving I have no family up here at all mm-hmm. my family up here is my bandmates last year because of that event we actually had like a band Thanksgiving we got together at my bassist's house and he was with his girlfriend so they cooked up and we, I picked up my drummer on the way there and then our guitar nice. and my guitarist and his wife came a little bit later because they had family stuff too but yeah, we all had a band Thanksgiving. And initially, before the world shut down, that was going to be this year too. We're going to think about trying to do that. Obviously, yeah. couldn't do that. So he was where he's like, how are you going to feel about Thanksgiving this year? And I was like, already kind of know I was going to do it alone. So I'm okay. And got scheduled to work overtime this weekend anyway. So it's basically going to be my Friday. It's going to be my Saturday, Sunday, even though I ended up working half of Friday too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it was like, so I just, I made my, I cooked a meal for myself and I found something to watch. 
it was just another day. It was a day off for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I know it was a definitely, I could see some of the posts, some people just being like, I don't know what to do without, I'm so used to family stuff. And it's just like not being around my family. My family is close, but none of us live close together. <laughs> my brother still lives out in Los Angeles. He's in the, he's an independent recording engineer and works for us, works for NPR, him and his wife and son live out there. My kids live in Arizona. My parents live on two opposite ends of the state of Tennessee. My dad lives in Nashville. My mom lives down in the boonies and my step siblings are all three of them are in Tennessee too. And I have one, uh, stepbrother in Texas and so they're all over the fucking place yeah and i'm what did you guys do a zoom thanksgiving (laughs) i don't know i don't know didn't come up well well, because mostly for a lot of years yeah we haven't lived together lived near each other so we've all kind of gotten used to it so so i guess maybe that's why but you know i talk i talk to my parents quite regularly talk to my kids every pretty much every week even though that's with schoolwork as being her being a junior I don't some weekends my daughter can talk because she's catching up on schoolwork mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but no it's like I've gotten used to it I'd be a little self-efficient I guess when it comes to the being alone like that for big holidays because I just have been for the last couple of years yeah I think introverts were definitely better equipped mentally oh. to be able to handle this lockdown oh, oh lord like yeah. everybody's losing their minds and i'm like this is just normal life for me i'm always at home I, alone talking to no one like you, you bitches are weak like <laughs> i can't see my friends for two weeks oh like, yeah that, i, I mean I just, oh I my god part of me realized at one point i did start <laughs> laughing i was like wow aside not getting to do band practice every week like I was my life hasn't really changed much yeah I know and I, I kept working too so it hasn't been too much of a difference so, so it was like all right <laughs> that's basically how I yeah. I just as I said the dark humor and the self-deprecating humor I was just like wow well that goes to show how boring I am <laughs> my life has not really taken that drastic a hit with how this past year is that being said, I have definitely seen some friends struggle and just sending them kind words of encouragement because that sometimes that's all people need. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, as I said, being a guy and seeing guys struggle and them not admitting it. Yeah. Just like, no. That's so fucking toxic that yes. uh, they're not able to express that because they're just fucking holding it inside and it's like fucking killing you from the inside. You know what I mean? That's why I wanted to like do this podcast. That's why I wanted to talk to you specifically because you're a guy and I always see you posting on Facebook about mental health awareness and how, you know, we need to be open about talking about it. And you're, you're just very open and honest. And I think that's really important for everybody to be able to touch that part of themselves you know what i mean especially men especially men in the metal scene where you have oh. to be brutal all the time you know what i mean it's yeah, like you're, you don't have to be brutal all the time i don't know who needs to hear this but you don't have to be brutal all the time it's okay to fucking love on kittens and be sweet to your girlfriend million times percent agree 
And as we, we were talking when we were scheduling this interview and all that and to talk and all that, I am not your typical metal guy. I look mm -hmm. like the typical metal guy. I wear mm -hmm. band t-shirts pretty much 99% of the time. I'm in army pants and either in combat boots or chucks, you know. I And if I had, if I could grow long, wasn't bald, yeah, I'd probably have fucking ass length hair by now. And I have the beard and tattoos and I look tough, but no. When I am, I am not that. I'm not brutal and a hundred percent. I'm not, uh, and I'll use this because I know ex you know will know exactly what I mean. It's like I am not true all the time. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> true uh, with you true don't with, need to be true all the time. Okay. True, true with the V. If you weren't part of the late 1980s slash early 1990s metal scene, black specifically for Norway. You, uh, you're not true. You're never going to be true. I don't care how black metal you think you are. Look, I'm really fucking black metal. I will admit I am not true. You're, you're not as cult as you think you are. I'm not as cult. I may, I may fuck with the corpse paint, but none of us are cult. Really. Man, that's really, uh, I'll, 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 this is how untrue I am. I am not the biggest black metal fan. That's okay. I am not a metalcore fan. I, I just, I came from the thrash death. This is why I say I'm not like a one of those like typical metalheads. Coming up, it, one of the advantages from growing up in bumfuck Tennessee, basically, is once I got into it, and I totally give all the credit to my older brother. Started me at like 12, 13. He started me young. He's just like, here, listen to this. Oh, I was going to ask you how you got into metal. So yeah. it was your brother. Yes. I mm. wish I still had them. They have, they got lost in all the moves I've done over mm -hmm. the years. But he gave me two, he made two mixtapes for me and they were all Ooh, wrote for the records. Yes. Cassette tapes. This is like 90, between 94, nine, early 96 when he mm -hmm. made them. So they're all Roadrunner bands at the time. So. And he put them in out the band by alphabetical order. So I had like Biohazard, Death, Fear Factory, Machine Head, Obituary, Suffocation, Sepultura, Typo Negative. Nice. That was a lot of my introduction. That, and while he was getting into it, and before it went off the air, original Headbangers Ball. Mm. Mm. Original. I still have on VHS tape somewhere some of the old headbangers ball videos and that's Dude, where that I, shit was so fucking dope that's where i found like Kids these days don't know what they're missing out on once upon a time mtv actually played music yes this was still this was what's what we got into is like basically right before it went out there so this is when ricky rackman had short hair he didn't have the long hair but oh, so where i found like anthrax and stuff like that and slayer and all even more basically all the big names you can think of for underground. And as we said, Roadrunner Records was basically our big label. I didn't find bands like Napalm Death until late junior high when they were in their weird, well, what most people consider their weird groove death metal phase, which I personally fucking love those albums because that's where I found them. I didn't find them with Scum and from mm -hmm. Enslavement and all that. I found them with 
inside the torn apart and words from the exit those albums are sorely underrated but i found those weird oddball albums same time as getting into metal this is also when alternative rock's really big like even like early grunge stuff i remember the mtv news bulletin when they announced that kurt cobain had committed suicide yeah. i remember that that was 94 i was 12 when that happened but Dude, i still, you're the perfect I remember, age. I remember that that was a big fucking deal i remember that but yeah we basically for me growing up anything that wasn't pop country because that was the other big obviously big thing i like real country like johnny cash hank senior dolly willie wailing jennings hank's hank the third any mm -hmm. other of the newer younger guys like amigo the devil mm -hmm. those poor bastards anything gothic alternative dark outlaw country fucking love pop country which is basically pop music and cowboy boots <laughs> and when you grow up in tennessee you learn the difference really fast of like, sure. I like that and so all that or night so basically all the big 90s metal bands like obviously basically <laughs> my older brother found metallica and faith no more the early 90s black album angel dust era of faith no more mm -hmm. and it basically went downhill from there <laughs> <laughs> but also big on the alternative stuff like jane's addiction i'm a huge primus fan i love what was i said boingo boingo gothic rock industrial all of it yeah rock, i like hardcore, a lot of that stuff too hardcore basically if it was heavy and it pissed off the jocks and the rednecks i was all for it <laughs> <laughs> so that's my background with all that on top of growing up with classical being in concert marching band uh my folks grew up with uh mostly like 60s folk like big simon and garfunkel fans i am too Beatles, I like the Beatles. Uh, even like the '50s stuff, like uh, Buddy Holly and like all those guys. You know, mm -hmm. that's what my folks grew up with. That's what I grew up with. You know, also being a kid of the '80s, Weird Al was the shit. <laughs> you know, fucking Weird Al, dude. Every, These I don't days will not know Weird Al, and that is goddamn. Everyone crazy. loves Weird Al. If you say you don't like Weird Al, I don't trust you. <laughs> I definitely appreciate his sense of humor. We can see it's, it's the older he gets, the more grown up it gets too, which I love. Yeah. And I, I, I would never buy a record, mind you, but I've seen him in concert and damn, that's a good show. That is a good show. I'm sure that would be interesting. His band is probably one of the tightest bands I've ever fucking seen. Really? It's been this, this well, they have to know all these catalogs of all these different styles and they nail it live every time it's okay the one time i saw weird al half the audience is little kids and their parents the other half is every metalhead goth punk alternative rock fan you can think of in the ten nashville tennessee area <laughs> so so it was it was right. an, it was an interesting crowd but uh, we all fucking love that stuff growing up so yeah that that was the progression so i love all that stuff and you know when you're a little kid you don't notice as much of the all the different styles as you hear growing up in the 80s especially there's so much stuff now mm -hmm. in hindsight as i got older i love a lot of 80s synth dark wave synth wave new mm -hmm. wave big 
I am a huge Cure fan. But the goth, as I said, the gothic rock, big Joy Division fan, Susie and the mm-hmm. Band, all that stuff. Yeah, I love that good goth shit. I've been listening to a lot of uh, a lot of Killing Joke lately. Oh, you too, really? Yeah, <laughs> I have too this year. I've a lot of. I've been a big fan for years, and this year I went on a big kick and actually saw found their documentary they did a couple years ago, which is probably one of the most intense band documentaries I've ever. Oh, I gotta check that out. Where is it? Uh, I found it. It was free on streaming uh well if you have prime it's included on prime mm-hmm. but i want to say it was on one of the sh- other streaming channels too but it's called Maybe hulu uh i don't think it was hulu it was one of the more weirder ones like tubi or something like that oh, okay even, so but yeah look up killing joke the death and resurrection show is what it's called it's all about it it was i was like i was quite impressed it was really well done I vicariously would love to live through fucked up ass rock stars and aspire to interview many, many of them. He's yeah, Jazz Coleman's a character. And that documentary even confirmed even more so than I already knew. I was just like, whoa. So I shared it with one. I told one of my friends about it because he didn't know about it either. And I knew he was a big Killing Joe fan too. So he was like, what? Okay, I got to check this out. He's like, dude, it's intense. I was very impressed. But yeah, so I had all that at one time, mm-hmm. all those different styles. So you, so you're just an amalgam of all things death metal, good country, gothic, and pop '80s pop synth. Basically, yeah. I I tell, I tell people I, I, I am a music fan first, metalhead second. Okay, I I respect that. I respect that 100. I I I have a. I even like I'm I'm very picky about it, but I do like I like hip hop. I love R and B. There's good hip hop. There's definitely good hip hop. Good rap. Um, with, so, it, I like a, a Immortal Technique is fucking sick. He's I like so goddamn smart been, and such a good storyteller. I've, I've always been a big Outkast fan myself. I've mm-hmm. always loved him. <laughs> One that cracks. It makes total sense with how much of a nerd I am. But I love MC Chris. If you're familiar with him at all. I'm not, unfortunately. Is he like uh, super OG gangsta? <laughs> Basically, nerd think nerdcore rap. Like he nerdcore has rap. Just look up MC. He has song. He has rap songs about Star Wars and comic books. Oh, okay. So he's like a goofy guy. A little bit, yeah. But he does it very well. Like, uh, did you ever watch Aqua Teen Hunger Force? Yes. He was the voice of MC P Pants. Oh, okay. Guy did I love candy. Yeah, that's MC Chris. That's funny. Yeah, that's a great show. Oh yeah, I love that stuff. So, but yeah, that's I'm a a, amalgam of all these different styles. And when a lot of my, as I said, a lot of my how I write is inspired by my non-metal influences, and I think that's good because I think that's good too. It's like it makes it allows you to be more creative. Yeah, as I said, being fans of like. Paul Simon and Nick Cave and Tom Waits and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it's just like, it gives you a different idea for stories and also a different idea of where to find the beat or where to maybe not sing in a song or stuff like that. And mm-hmm. by doing that, it brings in that different influence. And I'm also <laughs> like a perfect example, as I said, yeah, being an algam, I like, I will go to a metal show wearing a non-metal shirt. <laughs> oh yeah, I've uh, 
I've seen a couple of people do that. I always found it to be an interesting statement, but you know, they still like metal. It's, it's not even so much a statement. Usually it's just what shirt I'm ending up wearing that day or, and also, or even for my own band shows, like I'll either wear a friend's band or obscure morbs. My bandmates call me the encyclopedia because I know so many underground obscure bands <laughs> and I will try to promote them more than like the bigger name bands. I'm like, you know, everyone sees those. So I'll That's be wearing, cool. like a smaller band that I've gotten into or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or yeah, even like we did a show last year with, uh, buddies uh, an old buddy of uh, my bandmates his band he wanted to bring his band he lives in chicago now and he wanted to bring his band basically here for like a hometown show so they borrowed our gear and we provided the pa and all for the show and we played with them too so grant this they're more uh <laughs> this band is more traditional traditional metal power metal-ish more so we have that and a death metal band and the band that opened was uh actually more like it was more not full-on indie rock but more like post-rock like and i want to say they were, i want to say they were uh like god speed you black emperor and stuff like that we uh over the years with my writing with all this stuff i've tackled stuff like that too and like with Keta said i had a song i was so yeah this is a lot of my real life horror and a, there's definitely a lot of mental illness inspiredness from friends and people I've cared about and even some of my experiences or just stuff that I never would see addressed in the metal community. Like with my old band, I had a song, we had a song called that I ended up titling vacant and the lyrics that inspired that was I had a job for a while working at a alternative school one half of the school was for basically troubled youth that had troubled home lives that acted out, you know, the typical, they weren't bad kids per se, but they definitely had issues and with impulse control when it came to their emotions and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That was one half of the school. The other half of the school was basically developmentally challenged kids. So yes, including the autistic kids on the spectrum. I was assigned a student who was autistic, nonverbal communication, all that. Didn't really get the best training going into it, sorry to say. So basically I was paid to an extent to try to basically gently try to keep him onto his school curriculum which was very simple stuff but if he didn't like that he would act out and dealing ne never ever having actually dealt with someone at nonverbal communication autism scale i have friends that asperger's the whole nine. i have friends with that so i have someone who's like oh are we too weird i were i have diagnosed with asperger's i'm like i don't know i get it okay cool no problem I can, I can, I can hang. I'm not weirded out by it, but it was definitely a very learning experience being that kid one-on-one aid because to an extent I basically was getting paid to get my ass beat by him every day. 
because he did not like to stay on. And when he got worked up, he would start hitting me. And mm -hmm. so I actually vacant got inspired by learning more about autistic kids and what it might be like from their point of view. And I ended up finding friends online that had autistic kids and I asked them, Hey, this is what's going to happen with my uh, new song. Do you mind if I send you what I wrote? And Cause I know you have a son or a daughter on the spectrum and they're like, yeah, would love to. And, Oh man. And I sent it to them and their response is back because I was worried that I was, I didn't want to come off as being exploitive or can mm -hmm. like, or anything like that. And they wrote all, I think I sent it to like three different friends over the years, even after Keta said broke up and we weren't even playing anymore. I still wanted their opinion on that because it was a very personal experience learning and dealing with this to do, to see it happen and trying to understand it to in a way. And what I wrote and sent to them and every, every single parent was like, this is pretty much a hundred percent accurate. And you're just doing this from a second person, like not even a first person's point of view, you're doing it from second person from a second point of view, but you're basically, this is what it feels like. We, what we've noticed as parents, what their life is like. Mm -hmm. what it might be like in their head you're nailing it and that meant a lot and it's awesome so with what i wrote been writing with uh bloodborne over the years i i wanted to keep up that standard i'm very super critical on my i am my own worst critic when it comes to my writing all the fucking time i start is star oh god yes well, I have always been very harsh critique of myself. I have stuff written that I'm like, never going to use this. Why do I even still have this? If I hate something there, oftentimes if I hate something around the bat, it's gone. It, mm -hmm. I throw it away. When I lived at a house with a wood burning stove, right in the wood stove, <laughs> I was like, nope. So I'm so sometimes it will take me a while to write lyrics to a song because I want it to be good. Mm -hmm. So like <laughs> there's actually one song, one song of ours, uh, Execute the Traitor, which that's probably like one of the more metal sounding titles we have. <laughs> that, 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 that's about people that stab you in the back, which can be a horror story in all sorts of ways, especially if it's people that were friends and that has happened before. Oh, I'm sure. And so that kind of expired that as more of a, more straightforward but after we started playing shows before i even finished writing the lyrics to that song so even live i was like oh one nice thing about being in death metal man they don't understand what i'm saying so i am just faking this whole second part of this song uh, i used to not that used to not be a song i enjoyed i i love all our songs now but that mm -hmm. used to be because i was having such a hard time writing that one it mm -hmm. took forever to write it and once I figured out what I wanted and wrote it, oh, yeah, now I like it. But writing's very cathartic for me, even when it's all about stuff that 
hasn't happened to me personally. Like all this, like, holy shit, this, this, like everyone, <laughs> like, uh, cause I know the one thing I do know that's going to happen from this damn pandemic is everyone's going to write a goddamn song about it. Oh just, yeah. Oh I God. Just, yeah. Whole albums. I know it is. So many albums. There's a couple years ago, like almost every band coming out was having like an ocean themed album title. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, another, another, it's like oceans between us or this, an ocean of misery or blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, guys, why did everyone decide oceans was going to be the thing this year? And I even remember earlier uh, was actually one of the few uh, full band practices we had. My, my uh, guitarist was like, hey, maybe we could write a song called about the new abnormal. And as soon as he said that, I just went, I can't. And he's like, why not? <laughs> like, well, for one thing, on the new Lamb of God album, Randy says that in one of the songs. And he just went, really? I'm like, yep. And he was like, shit. And I just, and that's when I was like, I don't think I could write a song about the pandemic. And a lot of people are saying, it's like, oh, as a writer, I'm sure the pandemic's giving you all sorts of ideas. Mm-hmm. nope not related to the pandemic because i'm avoiding that as much as possible because i know everyone else is going to do it what's another song in the pan about the pandemic going to do for us as a band nothing yeah not, it's not going to do anything it's going to get lost with all the other like 30 million songs that's going to come out of this yeah everybody's going to be the out band with- that fucking survives you know a couple of bands have broken up this, oh i'm sure because they can't go fucking practice and shit yep so a lot of but bands this has happened but it's just like i know it's gonna happen and i don't want to be part of the i guess that's where some of my punk rock back influences come from it's like i don't want to conform to that because i know everyone's gonna do a pandemic song i don't want to do one <laughs> don't want to do one i wouldn't do it either i mean We'll see what happens, though. Um, oh, there's going to yeah. be lots of new music coming out, and I'm pretty, pretty excited oh, to see what people come up with. It's definitely I, a good, a good time to be creative and work on your, your um, passions and, and hobbies right now. Yep, and I have definitely gotten a lot of more reading in this year. I got a whole stack of books uh, around. Like, yeah, some people are like, "Oh, what the." Uh, with the relief I'm gonna do this and that it's like I paid some bills and I bought a, some new books to read that's what I did with my stimulus check and yeah so at least book- you put it to good use yeah people bought a bunch of useless shit you know I used it to actually invest in my equipment I don't I don't have I have a couple of lights set up but I, I have like a, a better camera that I bought I just haven't figured out how to use it as a webcam yet I got like a microphone and so that's yeah. what my my stimulus check. I, I am a do. total I am a total Luddite when it comes to electro to technology. I suck. <laughs> I no, I suck with it too. So this is exceptionally challenging for me trying to figure out, oh my God, just trying to figure out how to edit videos was so tedious for me, dude. I literally oh. looked up every little tool on YouTube to figure out how to use it specifically. And it's like oh, I'm awful then. And it's funny because, you know, so many bands online, like, overshare stuff. They have their Twitter account, they have Instagram, they have the Facebook, they post videos all the time on YouTube. We are so lazy about that stuff. 
And it comes down to the fact that, yeah, we are lazy about updating it. Two, we're older, so we're just not into, oh, yeah, we're going to shoot out a tweet or anything like that. <laughs> we're going to shoot out a tweet. Yeah, exactly. See, that's how hip. I, I don't even have my own personal Twitter, right? I have a band Facebook and I have my own Facebook that you see how my Facebook page is. I just mostly share music that I enjoy. That's about it. Mm. So it's very low key. And to an extent, part of me is like, that's kind of a good thing because everyone overshares the creative process. And to an extent, I do remember the days where you didn't know that a new album was coming out until you saw the ad in the magazine or the video premiered mm-hmm. or you didn't even know about a band you saw the album cover stick out at you and it looked cool yeah <laughs> that was awesome uh, it could be very hit and miss at the same time my god i picked up some shit over the years but found some really more found more good than bad but there was definitely some clunkers on there too but i remember stuff like that and to an extent i'm kind of glad that we only really put stuff online when we need to so we're definitely going to we keep saying we should do more we should do more and then we're like yeah yeah we should and then we don't <laughs> well you know That's we funny. all have, we all have lives too so it, it gets, yeah you're like uh, a grown-ass adult man with families yeah. and yeah, responsibilities family. and jobs the whole nine like a lot of us lucked out in my band with this my guitarist already worked from home to begin with oh lucky him nothing changed for him whatsoever bass player basically had he would work in machine shops but he also mostly was moving towards trying to work from home with uh he does guitar and amp repair and -hmm. he has a little shop in his garage and basically he's been doing that full time uh, my drummer does a lot of construction work, and so he was still working too. We've all been able, yeah, hours have been hit a little bit for like me and my drummer especially, and but uh, overall we've all worked through this whole thing, and so for us with the pandemic, the thing that's hurt kind of the most was not rehearsing like we were. So it's been a little frustrating with that, but you know, some of us being older, we have some of us have health have had health issues. I'm not one of them, thank God, with the health issue part with that. But I, you know, I want my bandmates to be okay. They're my brothers. They're they're like the older bro- the other older brothers I never had outside my my actual brother Josh. So, you know, they're my family up here. So I want if they don't feel comfortable or if they can't or they need to reschedule, I'm more than understanding we all are on that mm-hmm. that's good and so and knowing that we're probably not going to be able to play out in a while has kind of slowed down in our creative process but also us being at an age where we've all been in bands that have tried to make it before and we're basically we do blood born for fun it is a it's a hobby but it, we take it seriously we have all said if we met like even a decade ago, if we met and started a decade ago, we probably would have still tried it because we really are very proud of what we've done with the band. I love the songs we've written. They, I still get so excited when I hear our, even when I'm, I have it on my iPod and when they come up on shuffle work, I'm like, 
fuck yeah <laughs> all the time it's awesome it's yeah i still get excited and like when i hear new riffs i'm like cool cool all right keep it coming keep it coming i want to hear more so it's still there it's definitely just been hindered enough this year that it's it wasn't as pressing right now if things hadn't gone the way they had for everybody yeah we probably would have because last year we played more shows last year than we've had it we've been a band now five years uh this past october we've been around for five years now and been playing out for about five years we started playing show i joined i was the last one to join the initial lineup in october 15 and we started playing shows that december and it didn't take me long to write lyrics for most of the songs so we were I got most of them except for like execute the trader. That was like the one out of the first, out of the first batch of songs we had that I did not finish initially before we started playing, but eventually did. But uh, yeah, I just, I, it's fun to play. It does. I feel keep me young in a way, but also I see people that are our age that still have the mentality that they're going to make it. And it's like, you don't even leave the state or I think all of us have been in bands, as I said, tried to make it. We've been in different scenes. We've all been there. So for us, it's just, we're doing Bloodborne solely for the love of the music. We enjoy each other's friendship and we have a great time together. And that definitely made it makes it fun and i that's been the thing i have missed the most this year is having that fun because of all this and it definitely has been very frustrating sometimes it can get depressing but at the same time i know it's not like we're done Mm -hmm. we haven't thrown in the towel it's just been kind of on hold right and because of that it's just been but still it's just like all right hopefully we need to start going again come on come on come on come on so and it being winter, like it gets dark here at 4.30. Jeez. Yeah. This is one of those states that does not need daylight savings at all. It's like, why the change? It's now dark at 4.30. If we didn't fall back yeah. an hour, it'd just get dark at 5.30 instead. But it's still 5.30. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. That is pretty ridiculous. It's so, and it's so it's so that's why I say a lot of black metal pops up here because yeah winter is cold and yeah it's just it's, it can get bleak. <laughs> a couple of years ago, my buddies and intronaut toured through here and I went to see them and mm-hmm. one of them asked me was like, "So what's it like living in this uh, Stephen King's home state?" And I'm like, "There are definitely times you feel like you're living in one of his damn stories, and that makes sense." I where I first moved out here was more in the backwood area at backwoods area of the state and mm-hmm. walking the dogs that my ex-girlfriend and I had there sometimes certain time fall it gets really foggy and misty mm-hmm. and yeah when you're standing out there with your your pets and you're just like holy shit something is going to come out of this and fucking kill us and it's it's like all right makes sense or like the weird creepy messed up characters in Stephen King's books like Mm -hmm. oh he had a uh, hand of glory that he kept hidden in a Bruins mug from the 80s 
yeah, that shit's not made up. Those <laughs> people are here. There is a level of weirdness in New England that is definitely different than the weird weirdness of the South or even California. It's definitely its own kind. And, you know, me being into history, I've only been to Salem once since mm-hmm. I've lived in this. And I know the history for, and being interested in history, I wanted to visit more. The only time I've been to Salem was to play a show there. So I didn't actually get to spend time and go explore and check mm-hmm. out stuff but yeah like the cemeteries here are all, are all almost all old there's old ones everywhere like you mm-hmm. find stones from the colonies and it's just it's a different yeah, kind of there's a deeper history and a deeper sense of when you think of the darker side of it that is more just present and just seems like as since you've lived and grew up in california the darkness there doesn't feel as real it didn't feel as real to me it just felt more like we we want to find the darkness felt more manufactured by the environment Hmm, that's a good way to put it it's more it's that was definitely more urban with more just all that here it's Like cold and dissonant. Yeah, it's very cold. It's very bleak. It feels ancient. It feels old. Cool. And oh, I love it. It's yeah, great. I, wanna, I can feel the energy from that just by the way that you're describing it. And it's, it feels pretty fucking cool. Like, like Sleepy all, Hollow or some shit. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, have, I have a friend that from Tennessee that now lives in that area of New York. Cool. Has actually been through what was considered Sleepy Hollow. And I when I moved here i actually instead of going up uh the east along the coastline which would have been probably a lot quicker mm-hmm. having a car loaded with all my stuff i didn't really want to travel through new york city and dc to get here i went up actually through i went up through kentucky ohio through the little notch in pennsylvania mm-hmm. and drove through upstate new york and across Vermont, New Hampshire to get here. Mm-hmm. Going through upstate New York is very similar to living around here. It's got that old vibe. It's got that, you can feel that creepiness. Mm-hmm. To an extent, like, ironically, our the title of our album, Bleed the Week, that whole song mm-hmm. came out of uh, my, actually, I give a lot of credit to that, to my bass player's uh, girlfriend, Sylvia. She is a uh, author and she wrote a short story called Bleed the Week. And I give her a lot of credit for the idea of that title. She says, you can use that title. I was like, cool. And she actually gave me the first two lines for that, one of the verses for that song that she had a dream about with that to do with her short story. And that story is very Lovecraftian. That song is a very Lovecraftian. And the song ended up being very Lovecraftian. It's about my only one we have right now that's not super real world based, but because of how I wrote it in that Lovecraftian vibe, it still feels like it could be real because it's basically about mankind destroying ourselves, which we're very good at doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seems to be what we're best at. 
and because of that vibe at the same time, it feels appropriate for a Lovecraftian song from a band from New England. It feels kind of appropriate. Mm-hmm. I have friends that live down in Rhode Island where he's from, and I know all the problems with Lovecraft at the same time, because as I said, I'm, I'm a history dork. I love mm-hmm. it. So I know all this stuff, but it's just like, it definitely, it makes, I get why the vibe of his writing became the way it did living here. And I get where Stephen King's came from. New England is, it feels even living, Portland is like the next to Boston's like the second biggest city in New England, really. Mm-hmm. And I haven't even been to Boston yet. I'm such a, that's sad. I don't like big cities anymore anyway. So, but uh, Portland's old. It's been gentrified, but it definitely has a lot of that old world feel. And it being a port city, obviously, there's, I've gotten it at night. It's weird. And ironically, right before this, basically the countrywide shutdown when it happened in March, I was at a show in Portland and it was the first time in ever since living here that downtown Portland was basically deserted because the venue was down in downtown. And it was just like, I was like, holy shit, this looks apocalyptic. What the fuck is going on? It was weird to see. Yeah. I've (laughs) I've noticed that too. And so seeing that and just (laughs) thing is like wow there are times being in a metal being into heavy metal prepares you for certain things but then at the same time that with my love of history and all this is like okay well this is well we'll see how things are going to get handled probably i probably exactly how it's gonna how i think it's gonna go yep <laughs> it did and thank god for uh it's wow. definitely been a shit show Oh, it's just been like every day something new. And it's just like, what's going to happen next? So over it. Oh, I am too. But at the same time, I'm also trying to be as patient as possible. And knowing, as I said, knowing that I'm still been working the whole time. I, I feel way luckier than I know some people have dealt with with everything. I take that as like a blessing. And it's like, okay, cool. cool. Still have a roof over my head. I'm still working. I'm still eating. I'm okay. And so, because, yeah, I early on, I was a little concerned about getting, especially when I was seeing people starting to really panic and you could tell that they were getting anxious and mm-hmm. that, yeah, I did start wondering, all right, am I going to get anxious? Am I going to start getting, let my mind wander to the darker waters of my own thoughts and am I going to sink into a depression yeah those came up I totally did worry about that at one point but then I was like well you've been combating them for a while now keep doing what you've been doing so anytime dark thoughts have been coming up mm-hmm. I basically I don't let them pull me under do but I also don't ignore them either because I know that's something that a lot of people do. They, it's like, oh, I can't, uh, to an extent, that whole to- positive thoughts only that, to the extent that toxic mindset is like, yeah, it has to be good all the time. It's okay to, that's the other thing. 
guys, especially men, especially you fellow guys, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be depressed. It's okay to feel like, hey, am I fucking up? Am I failing? That's normal. Don't suck it up. Thank you. Oh my God. Thank you. Never suck that shit up. It's okay. But, and it's hard because it's, and you have to figure out how to do it. You have to learn to like, yeah, it's okay to have those thoughts. But what the trick is trying not to let them sink you at the same time. That is hard. And I don't have any good advice on that. I don't know how to explain how I've been dealing with it. I'm sure part of it has been going to a therapist. Yeah, I was going to say that. If the it, therapy has yeah. been helping you deal with that. Oh, yeah, it does. And just also just knowing that it is normal. It's okay to be that way. And going back to growing up with parents that encouraged it, and I'm glad they did because I've always wondered what if my parents were like everyone else's parents? What if they were like, oh, you got to play sports. You got to do this. You got to dress normal. Mm -hmm. Don't express yourself. It's not okay. You can't be weird. You know, you got to like the normal stuff that kids like, you know, like, like, then I tell my kids that I encourage them all the time. Like my daughter's big, she loves to write and she loves to draw. And I encourage it all the time. Like, keep it up, keep it up, do it all, do it. And they're, they're definitely probably would be considered weird kids, but at the same time, I'm like, embrace the weirdness. Our whole family is fucking weird where none of us on either side of the family is normal you know we all have not normal hobbies so god forbid you're actually talented and educated yeah oh (laughs) one of the most such a freak the one i've seen and i'm sure you've seen this is like what is the most insulting compliment you've ever gotten one for me, and I get this one a lot, I've gotten this one a lot over the years, is like, you look a lot more intelligent than you appear. Wow. Because everyone has those stereotypes from the media, news, movies, TV, film, and mm-hmm. even to an extent, yes, some of those cliches about metalheads are true. But yeah, they have that. They think I'm going to be like some Hesher hellraiser beer drinker troublemaker and (laughs) nope you're gonna catch me at home either reading listening to music or watching some kind of geeky show like it might be a sci-fi tv series history related fuck i'll say it i'll even be what might be watching a fucking anime show i don't fucking care hey man castlevania was badass Yes, it was. I was just re-watching it recently. I did too, actually. Yeah, that shit's good. I haven't, I'm usually not a big anime fan, but some of those are fucking really fucking cool. I'm usually pretty picky. And my introduction to that was like stuff like Ghosts in the Shell. And, yeah, like that would and be cool. Yeah. yeah, stuff like that. But my, my daughter's into that stuff. So that was something I was like, all right, I'll check out a couple more and yeah, I like that stuff too. There's, I have found some good ones, and there's some others I'm like, I've heard good things about, and I will try to watch them. Like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, 
Same here. It depends on the story, depends on the art style. Like most media, Yeah, the art style is important also. And that's like a lot of media. I like a lot of animated stuff. And there's and being a parent, especially now at my with age I am almost being 40, there's a lot of that people from the 80s are now growing up and they're now creating everything. So they know that people are starting to have kids, but so knowing that the parents are going to be watching with the kids too, they throw in some stuff hidden for the adults to enjoy too. And yeah, there's been some kids shows where I'm like, I like this show. And people are like, why? It's like, that's a kid show. It's like, yeah, but it's written for the whole family. So there's stuff hidden in there for adults too. Oh yeah, definitely. definitely. And because yeah, there's definitely been some shows I'm like, you kids want to watch what? <sighs> okay. But I don't want to stifle the kids. I don't. And them, they're both teenagers now. It's 17, I got a 17-year-old and a 14-year-old now. So Yeah, I remember, you, you I wouldn't stifle that. them if you tried. No. And <laughs> they're both really smart kids, too. So I don't stifle them i encourage them to be weird and i tell them to embrace their weirdiness don't screw what everyone else says and their grandparents are the same way they tell them to embrace it and so yeah i i my family is very good about that and because of that my kids have issues from my ex's separation and all that and them living with their grandparents so my kids have been in therapy for years Thank God. I'm glad they have therapy. Good. It's good. I think more parents should let their kids go to therapy. I have my last ex-girlfriend. Her parents did not understand her issues for years. Mm-hmm. They finally started dealing with understanding more in the, la- in the last couple that they had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, they did. They were definitely more old school than my parents, even mm-hmm. though her folks are younger than mine. It was just, I, I don't, I, I, I see what was normal for me was considered abnormal for a lot of people I knew. And I was just so, cause, but I didn't have a co- cookie cutter life either. So it was just, it's, it's always been weird to me. Like what your parents wouldn't let you do. No, like my basis told me, you know, yeah, back in the day, I came home from school one day and mom had, because she'd seen all the satanic panic shows happening, she took all my stuff and destroyed it and burned it while I was at school. Dude. I was like, are you serious? Yeah. My mom did that too, sort of. She didn't burn it, but she grabbed all my shit and she like took it away. And she even took away my creepy paintings. Like she took down my door. It was, it was rough. (laughs) Yeah. I had none of that. And yeah, my parents have had very considered conservative jobs mm-hmm. compared to a lot of people I knew. Man, that's... The job. They were more, their parents were more blue collared. I had teacher and minister. Yet they were like, oh, you, you're getting it. You like, you're getting into comic books. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> Here's the weird thing. We lucked out, <laughs> okay. my friend. I did. Here, here's where like literary heroes. Okay, my dad, minister, very mm-hmm. well educated, went to Vanderbilt University Seminary. That's mm-hmm. where he went to seminary was Vanderbilt, Nashville. 
you know, that's a very prestigious school. My dad's favorite comic book character, Conan the Barbarian. Really? Yep. Because he grew up reading all the old Howard stories back when he was a kid. That's you know, awesome. so he, he's the one that got us into comic books. So he took us to the comic As I said, yeah. My parents' hobbies with what they did, totally different. So I think that's why I'm like, oh, I'm so, I've told dad numerous times, like, dad, I'm so glad you were not like other ministers. And he knows, and he will laugh because he knows exactly what I'm talking about. He, yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, dad, dad, he's been to a, sh- a metal show. We, when we, it wasn't Kedis head, but my brother was in playing bass for another of our friends' bands. He's filling in. Mm-hmm. And my dad was out visiting us. It was right after my son was born. So he was visiting so he could meet his grandson. Mm-hmm. And Josh had a show with his band. So dad and I went too. And this being a friend's band, we both did cover. said in this band, Flatline, we both did cover. We both covered the same Pantera song. Oh, but it worked, no but it worked out because we were friends when if we were playing a show and they were in the and the vocalist was in the audience i'd be like hey travis come on we're gonna do pantera you know what to do he'd get up we would do, both do vocals if we were they were doing a show and i was in the audience he would do the same thing and because my brother josh was filling in for bass for him mm-hmm. he was like yeah, we'll do. And Josh brought up the point that, hey, our dad's here and he's never seen either of us play live. And they're like, all right, we will purposely play our cover of Domination and we'll get Nate up there to play too. So dad could see both of us perform. That's cool. Yeah. So my dad has seen us, seen me play, has seen us both play live. And it's cool because afterwards he's like, that was really cool because I could see, I could see the transformation as how he put it. I definitely am a different person on stage than I am normal. I'm not like this. I definitely have, you know, you have to put on the persona. All front men have the persona. I am, I am, I, I heckle the audience. I will give them shit if they're not doing anything, but you know, I got up there and I was smiling a little bit. I can't help it. I'm getting invited up and my dad's in the audience. So yeah, it's cool. But as soon as the music kicks in, nope hit the spot and so he he was very he found that fascinating he thought it was interesting so that's cool years of growing up in a open-minded house and being encouraged to be embrace your emotions and so yeah i'm not the typical and yeah i watched your first interviewee and i part of me was like when he was talking about how his lead style, guitar style is more influenced by like blues and bluegrass, I was like, all right, I totally know where he's coming from because <laughs> I, lyrically and vocally, I'm not influenced. I'm, yeah, I am influenced vocally, obviously, by metal musicians, but not with my writing style. I don't do the, a lot of the, well, I do do some typical metal cliche stuff but i try to find a new way to do it so it's not i'm not i'm beating i'm still beating the same horse but i'm beating him in a much more creative way so instead of beating him with a stick i am beating him with an axe instead because i want to because i want to challenge myself because of all that so you're chopping him in half 
Yeah, slowly, <laughs> slowly but surely because it's, it's, gonna take a while. it's gonna it's gonna take a while. But so that having that background, I think, influence the idea of like, okay, I'm not afraid of therapy. I'm not afraid of the fact that no, I feel like shit. I need help. I feel like shit, but I can't let anyone know. And I I have like. I guess another thing is like my drummer tell every time we have a practice, I get a big hug from him. I get a, he tells all of us, he loves, loves us. He's more, we're all like that. So I will admit Russ, my guitarist, he's a little bit Mr. Stoic. <laughs> he is more, probably the more traditional Mr. Metalhead. He really is. We made it. I made a joke. It's like my name's Russ. I listen to this. I listen to ten bands. <laughs> that was fucking hilarious. But but it works. Like I come from my all these different influence. My drummer is actually was in hardcore punk bands when he was growing up. He got into metal way later. Asa, my bass player, is the same. He's kind of like me. He listens to a little bit of everything, but. He is also the one in the band that has some influences that the rest of us don't have. Like Russ, Bruce and I aren't all the biggest black metal fans, but Asa is a big black metal fan. Like he loves Enslaved. He loves Emperor, Mayhem, all the classics. He loves that stuff. He likes finding some of the newer stuff. But at the same time, like me, he will go down the well of doom metal and sludge, like go all out. And we've even joked about, we've even discussed, it'd be fun for us to do like a post-punk gothic band. Oh, we, that'd be awesome. We love that stuff. I can actually sing. I'd like what? to hear you like do clean vocals, you mean? Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. I can sing. I, I, was, like in, I, I was in choir back in the day in my church, church's youth choir, even when I was like 15. I was one of the bass singers. It was me, my older brother, and one other kid. We all had the deepest voices. Never would have known. Learn something new every day. The problem is, though, I can't. This is, to an extent, I'm kind of, my friends and bands that actually made it, I knew, like, in this moment, I knew they would make it because their vocalist, not only is she strikingly gorgeous, but she can she could scream and sing. Yeah, that's really hard to do. I'm still working on that. I can't do it. I've, it it's I hard. Because with it's so hard. we used to do a Faith No More cover because we were, <laughs> were all big Faith No More fans. So, and it was one of their heavier songs, but it, 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 it'd be Mike Patton. So some of it, yeah, is more screamy. And then there's going to be some singing in it because it's Mike Patton. He can do both. Yeah, I, first we tried it and initially it was just me doing both my voice is like one or the other dude <laughs> hmm. i can't i can't go scream 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 into la mm -hmm. nope my voice is like you're gonna stick with it all the way through with either one yeah i the transition part is just so so difficult so to an extent i'm kind of envious of people that can do that because it's mm -hmm. like how the fuck do you do it <laughs> I, I can feel i can relate to that a little bit yeah, i think with i think with practice i, I could get it down but it's I more tried. so like i can sing forever it's just the the screaming 
part mm. that I struggle with, unfortunately. Well, so I can do both, but I can I can only I'm either doing one or the other. Yeah, yeah. So okay. my compromise, and I've done this in both bands, is I've done in uh, our song "Deformed Dying God." I actually have a spoken word part, and it was cool while recording because we're doing that and we're trying to and we we just had we recorded with Steve Austin, so that was awesome. Austin, Steve Austin. I can't say enough kind words about that man. He was, he made us feel so at home. He was so cool to record with him. But we came to that part and it was just like, he was like, I have an idea. I want to see if you're down with trying. I'm like, all right, what's up? He's like, I have this uh, microphone. It is called a copper phone. It does only one thing. And it's something weirdos like me and Jack Black, like, and uh, Jack White like to use. I'm like, all right. So he pulls it out and I was like, all right. So he plugs it in and he's like, all right, put on the headphones, hear what you sound like. And I was like, start talking. And I hear it. And it gives you that weird kind of transistor kind of old timey recording st- sound. Like if you're listening to like an old radio, I was like, this is fucking cool. All right. Yeah, let's do it. And I did do the speaking, the spoken word part in that song like that. And I'm like, fuck yeah that's perfect that's exactly what it needs since we recorded it used to be when we did that song live when it came to that part i would do kind of like a an aggressive spoken word but still do it kind of growled but since we recorded it that way i do it in like i actually i do it spoken word but basically i take my hand over the mic like this and make it kind of like an echoey chamber and this makes it sound close to closer to recording and it's like, all right, that's my little thing I throw in there because I don't do all the gutturals all the time. I throw in my mids. I throw in the highs because I have the range. I'm going to want to show it off. Like initially. Yeah, and it just creates they, for more dy- dynamic with the music. Yes. It gets boring yes. if you just do the same thing all the time. Yes, and it, and I already know for a fact it gets boring for me. It's Other people can do it, and I fucking love it. That's that works for them. But for me, I have to have that variety. If I can use it, I'm going to try. So yeah. And Russ put it best. Like he's like, there are times you did some stuff that initially I was like, what the fuck? I don't know if I like that, but now we've done it enough. I'm like, I can't hear it any other way. And it works great. I love it. And that was something in the past with the one member, which is like, he was wanting he would want he wanted to see my lyrics and i never i was like yeah i'll let you see him and i never did he was going to be a little bit more critical he was more of like we got to be this the rest of us were like we kind of really don't want to be that (laughs) he was wanting me to be kind of like brutal death metal and i was just that's not me i'm not gonna try it like that's one thing i love i'm not gonna because i don't wanna exactly (laughs) it's like i that's why i love watching interviews with george fisher from cannibal corpse because i see him and he's just like how's it going guys yeah he's all jolly and shit he's so nice like, like the he's like totally honest like i go shopping at target for my daughters all the time and i get all this stuff for him and it's like thank you george thank you so much for showing everyone that 
yes, you're just as dorky as me and it makes me feel so good. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, thank you, George. Oh, because it's like, because it's like, yeah, he's corpse grinder on stage and intense as hell. But then off stage, he's just like, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. And just friendly. Everyone I have met that has a big name, thankfully has been cool as shit has been as nice as I've heard or nicer than I thought was going to be. And that's from all different styles too. Like my brother used to work at, <laughs> my brother's worked with some big names. He's worked with like Lincoln Park, Avalor Levine, while at the same time has also worked with Cynic, Anthrax, nice. Armor Saint. And, you know, so, you know, I've, quick, fun story. We were going to see Isis play in LA, editing factory. So I went to the studio where he worked, which was uh, NRG Recordings, where a lot of those bands recorded their big hit, like Korn did Follow the Leader there, Limp Bizkit did Significant Other, Papa Roach did their debut, Evanescence worked there. My brother used to work for Evanescence as a little guitarist exclusively for a while there too. So I go there to meet up with him because he's finishing up and we're going to take the subway down to the knitting factory from there. So I get there and get buzzed in. I'm sitting there waiting. Uh, I have, and I'm like, I recognize some of these people. And I realized, oh yeah, that's the dude from Papa Roach. It's the front man. And he's like, he's being all jovial talking. He's like, hey man, how's it going? I was like, hey, how's it going? He's like, you here to record or do we need to get out of your way so you can, it's like, no, no, I'm waiting for my brother, Josh. And he's like, oh, Josh, he is so cool. He's such a nice guy. What you doing? Oh, that's my brother. And oh, what are you guys doing? We're, we're gonna go check out ISIS here in a bit. He's like, Oh, I've heard ISIS. Cool, nice. And I'm like thinking, he's heard ISIS. All right, whatever. And then he starts complimenting me on my tattoos. And it's like, those are really cool and different. I like those. What is that? It's like, oh, it's my daughter's name in Sanskrit. And he's like, that's totally fucking cool. I've never heard anyone having a Sanskrit tattoo. And just really friendly and nice. And all I could think of in my head is like, yeah, you're really nice and friendly, but man, do I really not like your band? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's weird, but at the same time, it's just like meeting these people that are were famous in the industry. Some of them are like, yeah, I'm not a fan of your band, but you, I like, yes. I wanted you to be a dick, but you're really cool. So I can't say that now. <laughs> I wanted you to so, be a dick. Yeah, it it's so much easier to think these people are going to be dicks. It really is. And some of them turn out to be really nice. So then part of me, I get, I, maybe it is because of my Christian upbringing. I feel now afterwards, like he was really nice. And I kind of feel like a dick for hating on his band so hard. No, I mean, you're allowed uh, to separate the the artist from the art. You know, it's a common term that we use in the black metal community to excuse the pieces of shit that create a lot of the music that we love. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure you're familiar with the big the big one that happened again late recently, I'm sure, with that. Not, Which one? Not, oh, the Inquisition one that just happened recently. Oh yeah. I mean oh. that wasn't too that was a little while ago. Well, they just they just released a new album. They got another label signed them. And it was kind of like, part of me was like, well, I kind of was hoping that 
the metal would draw the line somewhat well they have we haven't in the past so we, we let far get away with stuff we let uh tim lambisas from as i lay dying get away with his shitty shit with the right didn't he wasn't he trying oh, to kill his wife yeah yeah trying yeah. to hire the, and yeah so part of me is like I was hoping that we would take uh, not supporting a guy that confessed to having child porn on his computer. Yeah. But does it really surprise me that some people are okay with it still? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, <laughs> it doesn't. But Varg's a racist. Same time, part of me was just like, oh, God damn it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I couldn't get. I haven't listened to Inquisition since that whole thing happened. Maybe because it just I, strikes a chord personally, but like I can listen to Burzum all day. You know what I mean? So I think it just crazy. just depends on the individual. I guess, but yeah, it was just kind of like, ooh, really? So we're gonna go there too, huh? All right. Well, yeah, it's and it's yeah, always that, it's always my people. I'm so sorry. <laughs> why why it's, are we like this, guys? It's either black metal or the brutal death slam deathcore guys that are just just fucking causing trouble. <laughs> it's like Run the it's like the pop punk and emo guys. They're just as bad, and in like the manip the emotionally manipulating way. It's like. Mm. What the fuck? It seems like the, the the nicest ones have all been the thrash guys. Apparently, the thrash guys are just. You, I've never heard anyone say anything really bad about the thrash guys. Other yeah, than, I think you're right. Mustang, other than Mustaine's a bit of a dick, but that one's kind of obvious. I've always called Mustaine the first emo boy. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, metalheads. I'm not a Megadeth man. That's uh, that's all right. I'm not a huge. I well, I used to be a big Megadeth fan. I used to be Team Megadeth back in the day, when I first started getting into thrash and stuff. But okay. I haven't. I really don't listen to a lot of thrash anymore. Sometimes. I'm a big Testament fan. Testament. I, I was just about to say sometimes Testament. I've heard that their I, like recent stuff has been good. I just haven't oh, really oh. given it a chance. I it, I haven't listened to them really since after Dark Roots of the Earth. Uh, Brotherhood of the Snake's really good, but the one that came out with this year, Titans of Creation, holy shit. Yeah. That's okay. So good. All right. I might have it's, to throw that back on. There's a lot well, of bands that I just that I just never kept. Oh, up I know. With. It yeah. yeah, I come I came in and out with a lot of bands and one uh my bane of existence that expands my love for heavy metal is once I started reading Decibel magazine reg regularly. Mm -hmm. It rekindled some love for older bands that I had lost track of, like mm -hmm. Paradise Lost and My Dying Bride. I lost mm -hmm. track of them. Oh, they but just came out they, with a new song. Actually, I've I've talked to Aaron a little bit on Facebook, and I wanna I wanna reach. What's that? I'm friends, with, I'm friends with him on there too. I've, yeah, he's he's a really nice guy, and um, I wanna ask him if he'll like be on the show at some point. I just kind of want to get used to like interviewing people, and because I'm really new to all of this, and probably get a better mic or something, you know. No, I get that. I totally get that. Yeah. He might be, he, I could see him being now. He seems like a really nice guy. Yeah, he seems pretty down to earth. And obviously, they're oh, like super depressing ass fucking music. So it's like, please tell me everything traumatic about your childhood so we can all know. It's just, it's, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, none of the last, I think what it is with the last, the last two Testament albums is Gene Hoglan and Steve DiGorgio being in a band together. 
they haven't been a, they haven't been in an album together since like yeah that makes sense thought patterns and that was the individual thought i heard individual thought patterns and symbolic by death at the same time because mm-hmm. josh put songs from both of those albums on those old mixtapes i fucking love those albums dude i love death that was like my favorite death metal band them and morbid angel for the longest time i'm a death i i'm actually a latecomer to morbid angel I never saw what the big deal was with them for the longest time, but I was like, all right, maybe I'll just give it another shot. I still don't see what the big deal about. I can see back in the day what Altars of Madness. Yeah, that's what I was about to say, dude. Altars of Madness. Covenant and Domination are my favorite too. And I think... Those are also a couple of my favorites. All three of those are pretty solid for me. I think Domination is my favorite. And I think it's because... It's a close call. It's that sludgy groove to it on top of them being Morbid Angel. Mm -hmm. I think that's what attracted me was because it did have that different vibe. And I was just like, Mm -hmm. all right, I get, okay, I get that one. All right, I get it now. I get it. I get it. But my top, and these will be my favorite, have been my favorite death metal bands because these were the first ones. Death, uh, Entombed. And also I'll throw in Tomb AD because Lars is LG Petrov is the vocals for both, basically. Carcass, Obituary, and Suffocation. Those were the first five death metal bands I heard. And those have always been some of my, have been like top five death metal bands for basically since my I was like 12, 13. That's awesome. And it's weird because I come in with, band, because of my age, I came in to death metal after what were considered the, classic albums i came in with carcass with heartwork i didn't come in with symphonies of cygnus and necronicism i came in with heartwork obituary i came in with world demise not cause of death suffocation i came in with pierce from within not uh effigy of the forgotten you know i came in i came in later because when those older albums came out i was like eight So, you know, I'm like Wolverine Blues is my favorite Entombed album, not Clandestine or Left Hand Path, because those were the albums I heard first. So having, but I get why those are like considered classic albums. I still like them. They're still awesome, but they're not my favorites because they're not the ones I heard first. You know, mm-hmm. we all tend to attach with the albums we heard first. Like I have a lot of friends that when it comes to Sepultura, they're like Beneath the Remains Rise. So I said, I came in with Chaos AD and that album's fucking stellar. I don't care what anyone says. Anyone that hates on I Chaos enjoy it. I enjoy it, but it's definitely not fucking. Uh... No, I am thinking about the one that you're talking about. It's the one with the blue cover. I'm saying the one that I really liked was Beneath the Remains. That's what I was trying to say. It's Sorry. a good one. It's a good one. Hi. But I, I like that one better after it got remastered. Well, mostly everything sounds better once it's remastered. Yeah, and as I said, my brother being in the industry, I it sometimes ruins my enjoyment of older albums because mm-hmm. I can hear the old compression, the old mixing, and it's just like, oh, this needs to be done. So when some of those older albums have gotten remastered and or remixed, even remixed, and there's some that just really would need to be remixed to make me be like, okay, I see why you guys like that. And I'm also one of these people. It's like, I don't care if it's on vinyl, CD, or if I can just fucking listen to it, just let me listen to it. I don't fucking care what I'm not one of these vinyl only or 
or I don't understand why the fuck is that Pedro getting popular again? Yeah, where I, who the hell even says, where where, where am I going to play this ancient thing? Yeah, it's it's totally it's they're getting they wear out so fast. I'm I mean shit. I remember growing up and as I said, Paul Simon was what wanted us to play music. We wore out the album Graceland. We wore out like three copies of that on cassette growing up because we listened to it so much. The whole family, you know. So it's like, why are we cassette tapes? Are we becoming that underground and obscure that you can only find our album on cassette? I. It's just like, what are we going to do? Are we going to try to... But it's all... It's for the sake of nostalgia and for novelty's sake. It, it, it really is. And to an extent, I understand the vinyl thing, but at the same time, it's like, you know, everyone is like, you still buy CDs? Yeah, because vinyl came back. Hey, you know what's going to happen next? Because of nostalgia, CDs. So I'm going to this stuff. And some of you guys are going to be looking for the CD version of this. And I'm already going to have it. So That's funny. Well, it's bad when even your own dad's like, you still buy CDs? And it's like, that's pretty bad. They're cheaper than vinyl. Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine, I wonder how much cassettes are going for now. They have to be cheaper than CDs. Some of think- them. Or do you think they'd cost more now because it's like... I don't know. Because you guys think we're back in the 80s. I don't know. I really don't know. But some of the bands I've seen is like, really? All right. Yeah, all the fucking black metal bands are doing it. Which, I mean, Uh you know, it's cool, but I'd like to be able to skip to the song that I want to play without having to rewind it and pause it and then, oh, that's not it. Rewind it again and wear it out by doing it yeah exactly like your album better be fucking good if you're making me listen to it on cassette yeah it's like i have no choice but to play it all the way through <laughs> exactly i can't sit there i was like yeah because yeah i used to make mixtapes i remember that before doing the cd i did the mixtape and then we had the mix cds and now everyone's like oh why don't you just stream it i was like because some of the shit i listen to is not on streaming sites so I have my iPod. Sorry that I'm now out of date with having just an iPod. <laughs> but at least I know everything that's played on it, I at least like, instead of being like, oh, true, true. you're listening to this Spotify playlist. And it's like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, that one's cool. No, no. Uh, I, I will forever not be with the hip popular thing. I've never have been. And I guess I still never will. <laughs> I, I'm okay with that. I think that's quite all right. Like it's just, and and just, that's, that's how, as I said, that's how I've always been. I've been the weird nerdy well, kid, weird eyeball kid. So everything I'm like, yeah, that's, I'm basically an older nerdy weird kid. I, just, I think you're a pretty cool nerdy old weird kid. <laughs> well, I'm thanks. sure you'd be fun to like, you know, hang out with at a show or whatever like I, I think you'd be a cool guy oh i appreciate that and then, as I, I i i try to stay humble because i've seen people as i say i've seen being the vocalist there's the joke of the whole lead singer's disease the lsd basically oh, God. and i have seen that where the lead singer thinks they're too hip or too cool or they have the ego and it's oh just yeah like, for sure dude you're in a local band i know get off the fucking high horse yep and they'd be like, <laughs> okay, well, I think or, we're going to. 
Oh, I think we're gonna wrap it up in a little bit. Okay. I finish what you're saying, no and then I want to ask you a question. Oh, well, like the whole like, you're get off the high horse. Help your band load and unfucking load off the stage. Don't just this fuck off. This. <laughs> oh, I get. I still get jokes about that thrown that my way, even though I totally do help my my bandmates. But, Dude, I oh. used to help the band. Like, you know what I mean? And I was oh, one of the dude's like, girlfriends. It's, oh yeah, it's just like, just do it. Because you don't want to be that band <laughs> that just sits there and takes their time. Or like, well, there's, well, I have all this drum stuff to take out, but everyone just left me here to do it. By yeah, poor fucking drummers, dude. <laughs> oh my God, I feel sorry for the truth. I always help him out as much as I can. Help but. your drummer break down his kit. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. Help take off your guitars and basses, rigs, amps. Yeah. Just take it down. It's okay. Don't be that front man. Stay humble. Stay humble. And some of you guys definitely need to get into therapy. Holy <laughs> fuck. Take it from a fellow vocalist who's in therapy. Go see a fucking therapist. Thank you. I hope somebody's listening to this that really like needed it. I hope so too. And and it's just like seriously, guys, it's okay. Admit that you're sad. Admit that you're depressed. And if it gets to the point where you need help, fucking go get some. Don't bury it in booze. Don't bury it in drugs. Don't bury it in sex because you're just fucking ignoring it you're not getting you're not solving shit you're compounding fucking everything thank you yeah i was gonna ask if you could give like some type of advice or if there's anything specific you'd want to say but that 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 about covers it i think just yeah if you feel like you need therapy go if you're scared to act to announce it to the world you don't fucking have to you can just go yourself it's you don't have to let everyone fucking know. I know people that are in therapy that they don't want people to know they're in therapy. And I totally respect that. But they still go. They know they need to go. Mm-hmm. Hey, I have no problem admitting. Yeah, I go to therapy. It helps out a lot to have someone to talk to and basically either confirm that some things I'm feeling is okay or, hey, I understand why you're feeling that way, but here's the way to look at it differently. So it doesn't basically make you feel worse. It's so, yeah, all I can say was when it comes to mental health, uh, there's multitudes of there's therapy. There's medication helps people too. I mean, I've been on and off, but I'm off it now, but I have therapy. I have my other therapy, my band. Mm -hmm. Those are those are my therapies. I have my therapist for normal stuff, and I have band for getting out it in a constructive way. That's the thing. If you can find a hobby that you can get out some emotions in a constructive constructive way, and not a destructive way, that's that's the best advice I can give people. That's find the key right there. Find some a hobby. It doesn't have to be a career. Just find something that you feel is creative in, or and helps you relax and decompress from the stress, the anxiety, the depression, and use that. 
It's the one of the best things in the world. The years I was not in a band between 2009 and 2015, it sucked. It, I definitely started getting more depressed and anxious in those time frame. And since being in a band, it's I found that outlet again, and it was great. Getting into therapy, one of the best decisions in my life. <laughs> I definitely want to go to therapy. I just got to figure out some sort of way that I could like make payments or something because it's just you, yeah 150 said, a week like hey nobody can afford that now i know <laughs> it's ridiculous. Said, I got, as i said i lucked out with mine he worked something out towards that i can pay and so it depends on it depends on the therapist some people are very clinical about it and some people that you can tell they honestly want to help people yeah and i got lucky and found someone that he let he focuses on helping people more than the this is my job and I, this is what I get paid and because I have this job I have to get paid this he's like no I want to help so we're gonna figure out how we'll figure it out and mm -hmm. we did and thank god and yeah I actually I think I have I have a couple weeks more weeks until I have therapy again but if I ever need to go more than once a month again I have that option he's like if we need to if stuff goes wrong reach out and I'll answer as soon as I can and we'll get things figured out. But so I guess my closing statements, if you're depressed, anxious, stress, anything else, PTSD, any of that stuff, go get help. Don't self-medicate. I've seen so many people self-medicate and it's made their, it's made all those issues worse. It never helped. So that's just from my experience, but mm -hmm. so yeah, guys, go see therapists, especially you fellow frontmen. You guys are usually the most fucked up members of the band. <laughs> you're the um, you're the ones singing. You're the ones writing majority of the lyrics. You're the ones that need to go to therapy. Oh my god, so fucking true, <laughs> so true. Are there any plugs that you want to give? Uh. Well, if you uh, basically with stuff I gave you, there's our, if you want to check out what I do in Bloodborne vocally, check out our Facebook page at, uh, and we're on Bandcamp. You can download the album. I need to figure out a way to open up an online store because we do have physical copies and we have some shirts and I just got to figure out how to do that. As I always said, we're all kind of Luddites on that stuff. But, uh, yeah and you can find even look up our album lead the week on youtube and it's it's plays on there so i'll be sure to include a link to that in the description and then i'm going to be plugging your song right after this episode maybe do like a little short clip in the intro just to kind of hook you bitches in so you can check out how fucking badass nathan's vocals are um yeah i really enjoyed talking to you dude thank you so much for taking yeah. the time to like be Bro, open thank you your struggles and just normalizing going to therapy especially for men i think is extremely important and i hope it really helps somebody out that's listening to this right now thank you guys so much for being here